Good evening, Crypt Keepers. It's time for a special announcement. You all know about the infamous Zombie Road from our podcast, a real-life dark forest just west of St. Louis. Well, we're planning a free Zombie Road tour on Saturday, October 28th at noon. All are welcome, but the tour will include descriptions of violence, death, and hauntings. Zombie Road boasts an array of hauntings, including shadow people, a railroad worker's spirit, a lady in white, old blue, the mummy, a monkey man, flannel man, black-eyed kids, and so much more. Deaths were commonplace in the area, beginning with Native American battlegrounds, suicides, accidental deaths, and murders. The tour will be 100% free, and we will have some merch for sale, so bring some cash. Join us for a Halloween party like no other on the infamous Zombie Road. Feel free to come dressed up in your scariest costume. We'll see you there Saturday, October 28th at 12 p.m. Central Time. Sherman Beach Park, 1582 St. Paul Road, Baldwin, Missouri, 63021. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another bombastic episode of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by a man who can teleport, but always ends up in the wrong bathroom. Ryan, what's up? <laughs> oh, not a whole lot, man. I'm ready to get into this. I had a Red Bull. I'm ready to go. Got some water. All right, well, let's jump in then. Tonight, we want to welcome Regan Forst into Cryptique. Regan is an accomplished clinical hypnotherapist and certified Life Between Lives facilitator with the Newton Institute, one of over 200 therapists in 46 countries aiding 65,000 plus clients on transformative journeys. A former board member responsible for public engagement at the Newton Institute, their mission is to unveil the mysteries of the afterlife through the Life Between Lives process, having conducted over 70,000 successful sessions, effectively mapping the realms beyond. Regan, a seasoned traveler of both spiritual and physical landscapes, recounts his early out-of-body experiences leading to a life spanning five countries, including the glamour of Las Vegas and Hollywood, as well as harrowing ordeals like cartel kidnappings in Mexico. Now he guides clients in past life exploration in the interstitial realms during deep hypnosis session. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's welcome Regan Forston to Cryptique. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh gosh, you guys, anytime, anytime. Now I've been listening to a lot of the uh, podcasts that you've done. Uh, I, oh. I've listened to Vestiges. And oh, love those guys. Yeah, you were great on there. And yeah, they, they kind of opened up my eyes on a on a few things too. So that was a great find. Now, now they're one of my favorite podcasts. So I know they're just, they're just, there's so much information there and they're just so nice. You know, they're just good people. Yeah. That's, that's what I like to hear. Well, you know, that's something to be expected when you do this kind of work, because um, we're kind of pioneers in a way of doing all this research and the things we're finding, um, shifts the paradigm a little bit. And so anytime there's a paradigm shift, 
uh, people kind of, it's just natural for people's subconscious to kind of fight change, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. little by little, we just make inroads, um, you know, like when, when they find new information about the Bible or things, if it, um, if it coincides with what their current beliefs are, uh, then they accept it readily. But if it shifts it a little bit, uh, the, the first indication <laughs> is kind of push back a little bit because, you know, um, Luckily, I, it doesn't bother me much because I say, look, I'm just the messenger here. I don't you could believe or not believe anything. I'm just saying we do this particular thing where people go to heaven and back and this is what happens, you know, yeah. and um, because it's so beautiful and such a life changing experience for most people. Um, <clears throat> we're saying whatever this phenomena is that we're doing here, which we believe to be true because we've now had 70,000 people go to the other side and back uh, through this process mm-hmm. um, that, um, you know, w- when everybody pretty much has the same basic experience uh, with variations because of, you know, everybody's different in their walk and their spiritual walk. So there's going to be, sure. um, you know, variations, but pretty much the template is the same for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> um, for people listening uh, with the Newton Institute, what we've found is a way to activate this process that happens in a near-death experience uh but luckily without the death part (laughs) you know uh it's just another uh another way of um kind of bridging the the you know from here to the afterlife um and this process now over 40 years has been so fine-tuned that it's about 90 percent successful um i believe it could be 100 percent successful but some people um that come to me for sessions are um, uh, just can't get themselves to relax enough to, uh, sure. you know, because all this, uh, what, what we do is we just help people get into a very relaxed state. Some people call it hypnosis or trance, uh, hmm. but it's an, it's something we all do on and off throughout the day. Everybody is at least in trance um, two times a day. And that's mm-hmm. just as you're waking up that first few seconds when you, you're asleep, but then you hear a noise and you're still in a dream, but then you realize you're waking up, you know, yeah. um, that's where we get people to, um, you know, uh, you know, hypnosis is the, the term, I guess the clinical term, uh, but that's all that it is, is just being relaxed. Um, <clears throat> and once you're relaxed and when you're in that state, like I always like to look at things scientifically. Um, mm-hmm. Like right now, if you had a, if you were hooked up to a machine, they would, they'd be showing your brain waves, which we would call beta, um, because they're very close together. When you meditate or you relax, your brain waves, you start getting different kind of waves, which we call alpha waves, and it mm-hmm. shows you're in a more relaxed state. When you fall asleep or just begin to fall asleep, there's these waves they call theta waves, and they're further apart than the, um, than the alpha waves. And mm-hmm. so what this process is, it's just as you're about to fall asleep and the theta waves start coming in, um, because I communicate with people, I'm able to keep them in that state so they don't fall asleep. And that's where it seems we all have, I call it a God switch, where we can access um, memories, all our memories from past lives, from you know where we spent in between lives. And, um, and that's in this process where we're het, where we, where our, our goal is to uh, get people relaxed enough. Uh, in a session, they go to a past life, they see themselves pass away. Um, when they're above their body at their funeral, and I'm asking them questions like, well, who's there at your funeral? Where are they burying you? 
that sort of thing. And then um, I'll say, now that you're looking down at that past life, every life has a reason and a purpose. And I ask them, why, what did you learn in that past life? And everybody, when they're in that state, is able to say what they, what they learned and what their lessons were. And then I ask them, okay, what happens next? Are you ready to go home? And they'll say yes. And, I'll say, and they, in a sense, uh, turn around and there's a guide or an angel or however they perceive that, that helper that takes them back to the afterlife. Um, and then we, we begin to communicate with that, uh, that, I'll call it a guide, you know, or an angel. It, it appears differently, different people, but it's a benevolent being that's there to welcome you out of that life you just had and to kind of escort you to the afterlife. And um, then I, uh, I say, well, let's ask, uh, you know, ask your guide if we can, what name should we call him or her or it? Because <laughs> sometimes people say, well, I can't tell if it's a man or a woman. They're kind of androgynous, you know. And mm-hmm. I say, well, ask that entity what we can call uh, it. And, um, and uh, as soon as the, they identify themselves, they get the name of their guide, which is really cool. And then we say, now we want to switch to now time and let that person who they were in that past life go on back to heaven, go back home. And now we want to switch to, to uh, you know, to the current time who this person is in this life. Mm-hmm. And then um, they always say, okay. And then I'll say, now um, we would like them to have a visit in the afterworld for a couple hours. Is that all right? And they always say yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we proceed from there, you know. Um, so... When people do these sessions, they're pre-planned and pre, um, I'm like a tour guide for people. And we do, um, a session can last anywhere from about five, mostly they they seem to go naturally about five to six hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, The first half is us planning the trip. Like what I do is I send people homework that they do before they have their trip to the other side. Um, And... The homework they do helps them prepare so they can have a great session uh, because when they find themselves over there you could be like a kid in a candy store and you're just just kind of floating along not knowing what to do well since we know where the stations are we keep our clients focused um, so that um, you know uh, the homework that did that we help them achieve that and in their homework there's three things that they do okay. they first they write a list of the cast of characters that are in their life's play like I have them imagine sitting in the audience and watching their life on stage and see who are the characters, important people that showed up in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Sure. And those are, you know, generally people closest to us or co-workers or that. And I have them, you know, even the people, especially the people that are most difficult to be with in this life. You know, like if they had a nemesis, somebody that was there, that they're always um, having trouble with and everything. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that is because in our research, uh, we've discovered that um, <clears throat> we've discovered that um, where where we're born, in other words, where we're created, is not in the womb, but we're created in heaven or on the other side in the afterlife. We're created there, mm-hmm. and we're just down here visiting. Um, you know, uh, so <clears throat> as I think of these things, I think these little sidetracks here but you know some people talk they don't want to believe in reincarnation I say well that's fine because technically if you get real technical about it we are just born one time and that's in heaven but then we choose many bodies to have experience you know it's like an actor take, taking on different roles in their lifetime sure. and then when they're done they go back to being themselves 
you know, it's kind of, you know, w w like all of us here, the uh, Jeremiah and Ryan and me, you know, when we when we pass away, we're just going to go back home, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, when you look at reincarnation that way, there there isn't any. It's just one life. I guess you could say the best way to say it is we have one life with many bodies. You know, okay. that's a, a, an easier term. When people shift in that conscious that way, they go, oh, OK, that kind of makes sense. You know, now that we're we're kind of proving that we're home, you know, home where we're created is and where we go back to is, uh, uh, you know, in the afterlife or the other side. So the second thing people. Oh, but um, the reason that you write a list of the cast of characters is, is because when you're on the other side, uh, if you have someone that's passed on that you miss, why not have a conversation with them? See how they're doing, um, you know, absolutely. Um, what this is very useful for is to uh, talking to people uh, that you had unresolved issues with. In other words, let's say if you had a parent that was, you know, you had uh, something crazy going on in that relationship and they died before that was resolved. That bothers mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, because yeah. that's just unfinished business. They can have a conversation on the other side and uh, resolve it. Um, but the biggest thing is... <laughs> This is what I just think is amazing that we found out. It's like when you decided to be you, when you were Ryan or Jeremiah, when you decided to be you, you didn't put all of your soul self into the human body. You kept about half of it back home. So what that means is we all have a higher self, you know, a part of ourself that's always, always on the other side. And then that we kind of split off, you know, so part of our energy comes down into the human body. And what that means is when you're on the other side, you can have conversations with the higher selves of people that are still alive in your life now. And oh. that is amazing to be able to do that. And that that's like therapy as good as it could be because I have, um, for instance, I had a couple come to me that were, they were butting heads in, in regular couples therapy and they weren't getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that therapist knew the work I did. So he says, okay, I got to kind of give up on you guys because you've come to an impasse here. So if you're open to some sort of spiritual thing, I'm going to send you to Regan and he's going to, he's going to have you talk to each other on the other side. So what they did is they came to me and the first day I, uh, I did a session for the husband. Uh, it was, uh, we were able to get to a past life. No problem. He mm -hmm. was actually, Oh, it was a little scary. He was, um, walking down a long corridor with hundreds of other people and everybody was naked. And, <laughs> and so I, I just instinctive, I said, look down and is there any, anything on your hands or arms or anything? And he was able to read me the number that had been tattooed on there. And he was, <clears throat> you know, on his way to the oven to be, you know, that's where he died as he found out in that life. Um, wow. so that was, whew. That was pretty scary. So yeah. I wrote the number down and everything, but then I we did some research and found out that they didn't catalog what numbers went with what names or anything. Because I mm -hmm. thought, oh gosh, we could actually find out who he was, you know, from another lifetime. But wow. we got stuck. Um, and I don't remember what the reason was, but uh, when he passed away, we couldn't go that little distance between there and the afterlife. So I says, hey, look, let's... Um, I'll see your wife tomorrow and I'll have you come back on Monday and we'll give it another try. So on mm -hmm. Sunday, I did a session with the wife. Um, on the other side, it was clear to her. It was clear to her that it was time for her to move on from this relationship. 
Um, she got the answers why and all that kind of thing. Okay. So she didn't talk about it with her husband until he came back on Monday and we did a session with him. In that session, we went to, he went to um, uh, a past life and this past life actually was showing him uh, why he's in the dilemma that he's in today. So get this, I, he was dressed, I, he went to this past life and I said, well, you know, look, see how you're dressed. He was dressed as a nobleman, like you know, kind of the classic with the black suit and the big top hat, like from the 1800s, early 1900s, sure. you know, yeah. uh, the, the, the rich people would wear, you know, in the mm-hmm. town. So I had him go to, uh, I, I said, one, two, three, you're now doing an important event in your life. And, and so he shifts, he goes to an important event and he was walking into a bar. And I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. He's just walking into a bar, you know? Sure. So he's just sitting there having a drink and there's a, a barmaid, you know, there and there's a little kid running around, people drinking. And I, and he just was there and I, I couldn't get out of him why this was an important event. So I said, one, two, three, you're now, it's later in the day. Where are you? He was in a hotel room with the barmaid and the little, <laughs> the, it come to find out that was his mistress and the little boy was his boy. Uh, but he, nobody in the town knew about it because, you know, she's from the wrong side of the tracks, you know, sure. uh, a barmaid, you can't have a nobleman, you know, dating a barmaid. So she gave him an ult- <laughs> ultimatum and said, look, you either got to, you know, take me as your wife and this is your child, or I don't want to see you again. And he couldn't mm-hmm. do it. It was too much social pressure, you know. Mm. So he kind of blew it in that lifetime. So now in this lifetime, nothing, nothing like that happened. It was just, it was. He found out that he just hadn't shown up enough. Enough. He just hadn't shown up enough in the relationship to uh, what he agreed to do prior to coming into this life. So sure. they ended up, um, you know, splitting up amicably because then they could. You know, they could just see what the truth was, you know, and what was going mm-hmm. on. So, um, you know, having being able to talk to, I mean, I have people all the time, they're married and they're able to talk to the higher selves of their mate and say, hey, how am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. am I, am I, um, am I being a good mate or is there something that I'm lacking? And they get this straight dope, <laughs> you know, what's <laughs> going on? And then sure. you can ask your mate, you can say, hey, can you relay to your lower self you know, that I would like to see these changes. Is that possible? I mean, there's just all kinds of things. And, um, and is that possible? Yeah. Uh, well, now, I don't know, and I haven't done follow-up sessions with a lot of these people, but at least the higher self will say, they'll usually smile and say, well, I'll try, but he's pretty thick-headed. <laughs> They're talking <laughs> about themselves, you know. Right. But here's what's interesting. When I have people in session, there's a point where when I start asking them questions, all of a sudden they're talking about themselves in third person. And Mm. I know enough now when that happens, I'll say, I'll say, am I talking to Jeremiah's higher self? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, okay, boom. It's just like that other part, you know, it just gives me goosebumps because then I'm talking to the higher self of my client, you know? Uh, And um, when the people listen to the recording back, they laugh and they go, oh God, that's my, that's myself that's dreaming me a new one here. <laughs> they're, they're saying, I need to get with it. I need to, I'm, you know, I need to do this and that if we're going to accomplish our mission, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. So um, now the third thing people do, or no, second thing, after you do the list of characters that are in your life's play, mm-hmm. the second thing in the homework that I get people to do to prepare themselves for this beautiful journey 
is they want to write a list of questions that you want to have answered about your current life. And we all, we all have questions because I think, you know, we kind of feel we're do, doing what we're supposed to be doing and we kind of feel we're on some sort of mission. But for most of us, it's not crystal clear. We're just kind right. of moving forward using our intuition or, you know, th little miracles happen in our life that changes to go here and there. And when you get on the other side, one of the first questions that we always ask is, why say, why did Jeremiah decide to be born? You know, uh, what's his mission and, and how's he doing? You know, is he on <laughs> task? Is he on task or is he like, you know, does he need to step it up? And right. They'll tell, they'll tell you, you know, um, the thing that's interesting though, is I find that makes this so real is that most people's missions are very, very simple. You know, people think they have to have a mission like, like Martin Luther King or Gandhi or, you know, somebody sure. that's going to change the world, like, like Deepak Chopra or something like that, you know? Right. But we usually find out uh, my mission when I had my, my time over on the other side, my mission was um, I was working on kindness. Um, that was my, you know, my whole thing for this lifetime is and, and kindness is another term for being selfless, you know, mm -hmm. instead of selfish. Um, and I asked them how I was doing when I was before my council. And they said, Regan, we're really happy with the, you know, the, you've made strides, you know, you're doing good. And I remember I was before my council and how that made me feel. And I went, yes, yes, I'm on track. You know, <laughs> good. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then, and then I said, um, well, what about, is there something I'm missing? Something else that I need to be better at in my life? And they said one sentence, and I didn't remember this until I listened to my recording um, a few days later. But they said, they said, you could be a better grandfather. And um, I went, wow. You know, when I listened to that, I went, wow, that's interesting. I have nine grandchildren, but I'm, I've not really spent much time with them and everything because I never had grandparents. So I just never thought grandparents were that big a deal. Right. Uh, but apparently they are <laughs> because mm -hmm. I took their advice. And over the last six, seven years, I've, I've been building relationships with my seven. Of, I have two grandchildren, which are just, you know, they're up in Portland and I haven't really seen them, but a couple times in their life. But the mm -hmm. seven others I've become very close to and they've become very close to me. So it's been, you know, even that one sentence was worth me having that session because that's changed my life in such a good way. You know, absolutely. That they have their, yeah. So people sometimes are afraid to have a session because they know they've uh, done some bad things <laughs> or they've made bad decisions and they're sure. afraid of uh, some sort of punishment or that they're going to get um, really scolded or treated meanly or something. Doesn't happen. I mean, right. it's it's just it's like you would want it, you know, like we all would want it to be if we make mistakes and we're sorry for our mistakes and we want to be better. We want to have someone in our life that can hold us and say, it's okay, it's okay. Sure. You're just going to do better. You know, and that's how they are over there because everybody, you know, as human beings, nobody's a saint, you know. Right. We're trying to be saint-like. That's why people come to me because they want to they want to learn to be a better person. They want to know more about God. They, 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 they want, you know, they just want to be more loving people. Sure. And, um having a life between life session here from the Newton Institute, that's, uh, that's what they find out. You know, um, everybody finds out that their, their life has meaning and purpose. They're down here for a reason. And they find out they're never alone because they get to meet their guide and they find out how we have so much help from the other side. Once we open up to it, mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, part of the growth of soul is us, be, like so many times these guides and things they have, they're in a sense just sitting around, sitting around, you know, um, relaxing, just waiting and waiting and waiting for us to realize that they're there. And once mm -hmm. we kind of look up in a sense and say, is there a guide up there? Is there somebody watching out over me? It's mm -hmm. almost like they jump up and go, yes, he's finally connecting, you know. Sure. And once we do that, then then they can start in earnest uh, trying to give us more help. But it seems to be that we have to wake up to that point of like, you know, wondering or uh, coming to the realization that, hey, maybe maybe there is a heaven. Maybe maybe sure. my life has meaning and purpose, you know, you know, <laughs> that way. So, well, let me ask you this real quick. Sure. Are, are our higher selves, is that meaning that we're like free of judgment, free of anger, you know, free of hostility and things like that? Is is that what our higher selves are made of? Like what we're trying to actually strive to be? Yeah, I would say that's very correct because uh, when you're on the other side, like with all the souls over there, there's no hierarchy at all. I mean, okay. you know, there's people that are more advanced, but you don't look at them as like like we do down here where you're excluded if you're not to this level or, hey, right. you're not as good as me um, that way. Um, I found that with, with uh, higher selves and with these beings that have advanced, uh, you know, they're just they're just ahead of us in school. You know these beings and these these council members and that some mm -hmm. of them seem light years ahead i mean as loving and beautiful as they are but we're all that's where we're all kind of heading what we found in our research is when you get to the other side you don't have to come back unless you want to it's totally up to you you know mm -hmm. some people you know just think about it like now like if there was some skill that you really wanted to learn you know uh that would make your life better and 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 that and there's a college that's out there and you really wanted to go, um, mm -hmm. you would go, go, you know, go to that class, sign up for it. And then when you come back from that back home, after you've done that semester, those two semesters, you know, you're, you're, you're more rounded, you know, you're, right. you know, even more than you did before. So that's kind of like, it is like, there's love and kindness up there. I mean, I mean, and acceptance and everything like that, but um, souls just decide that say, Hey, I want to take a, a grad class. I want to go down and I want to learn this and that. And, mm -hmm. and somehow, you know, that's one thing we haven't got the answers to and that why do we all do this, but we just do, you know, just sure. seems to be what, what happens. Well, have you had anybody say that they don't want to come back? I, I mean, that, that could be a, a big problem if someone's like, no, I don't want to come back. And then you have to explain to the police how things yeah, went yeah. out. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I fantasized it one time. I was picturing a, <laughs> uh, that would make an interesting movie or a movie of the week. You know, sure. <laughs> this guy doesn't want to come back. No, no it seems to be um, that yourself, you know why you're there you, you and everything. At least so far with 70,000 people, we've had no, we've not even had any, uh, we've had no, um, uh, people have a bad trip. We've had no people that have uh, demons or devils or anything like that. Right. All, all that seems to be at a lower level of consciousness, you know, and when wherever it is, they're letting us go. It's there's none of that there. Um, and some people say, well, 
what about people who do really bad things and stuff and they get there, don't they get punished or something? I said, no, it's not punished. What they do is they get correction, um, mm -hmm. loving correction. And no matter how many bad things you've done or horrible things, um, you go back and um, um, the person who's hardest on, the, I mean, the, the thing that's hardest is souls when they come down here they have a plan and they get the, and not all plans go according to plan a lot of times they get seduced by drugs and alcohol and and things and so uh they don't get their mission accomplished and they get back to the other side and they just they go oh i blew it you know oh it's like me going to an audition in hollywood when i was an actor for 12 years uh -huh. and if i if i hadn't prepared enough or i went into an audition and i came out and i blew it and I'd be so pissed off, you know, it's like, oh, God, I should have done this. I should have done. Why didn't sure. I do that? Well, next time <laughs> I got to prepare better, you know, and stuff. So I had to, to, to learn that way. And it's kind of like up there. Um, uh, sometimes when people have done really bad things or they've kind of messed themselves up a lot, um, they choose themselves to put themselves in what we call like a timeout. You know, it's like a, huh. I guess, pur a purgatory kind of, a, you know, that would be the, the Catholic term sure. purgatory. It'd be like a, a place where they go to where they have to like um, reinvent themselves again to uh, retool, um, to get, you know, rehab, to get, to get rehab, like, right. And then when they feel they're ready and they'll come out of that, but it's their choice. You know, it's a soul's choice when they come out of that. And then they said, hey, let's give it another go here, you know, and see what happens. Um, sure. So um when people one thing we found out too when people choose their lives they kind of choose a, a script uh like mm -hmm. okay i want to learn patience so what i'm going to do is i'm going to have a i'm going to have uh, my mom play the role of being super um crazy that i have to be so patient with it's going to drive me crazy you know and right. then you get someone from your soul group which is again that's one thing we're well, I can jump all over the place here, but one of the things people do besides the council, you know, is the soul group where they, those people they wanted to talk to were there, you know, mm -hmm. that they wrote in their first thing. And um, that's where a lot of times you can find out. Like I, I had one client whose father was so, he was like a military person with her her whole life. It would just, you know, do it yourself. You know, mm -hmm. don't ask me for help. You can do it. Uh, you know, why did you get a B when you could have got an A? You got to study hard. You know, she tried her whole life to please her dad. Uh, mm -hmm. There's never any like emotional, physical abuse, anything like that. But he was, he never said he loved her, never held her. He was just always on her case. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he died unexpectedly. And so she just had all this angst of like, God, why, you know, I know my father was a good guy, but. I mean, he never showed me, he never, you know, so yeah. one of her things she wanted to do is if, if my dad's over there, can I see him? So, uh, this was an interesting case too. First one of its kind that I had where, um, she went to a past life, saw herself pass away, met the guide. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, somehow the guide, I'm trying to think the guide disappeared for a little bit or something. So we tried to find her dad. So all of a sudden she says, Oh, I'm like on, she found herself on like a like a platform where a train was going to come by. And there was all, there was hundreds of souls are there, but they were all dressed in like brown robes or something. Hmm. So I said, well, go up and speak to them and ask them, you know, where you might find your father. And mm -hmm. so she speaks to one of the souls there and he goes, he says, I don't know. I don't even know. We're, most of us here are confused. We don't know what's going on. And they said, try higher up. So 
I had her leave there. She went higher up. All of a sudden, she goes through this door that's like in space. And、mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's another like platform. And these people all had like blue robes. And so、okay. I'm thinking, well, this is kind of interesting. And、uh-huh. so, first thing I asked her, I said, what, ask them who were the people in the brown robes? And the people in the blue robes said, well, those are people that, that died that were not very spiritually evolved and they. They kind of don't. They kind of laughed. The person, the people in the blue, says they just kind of don't know what's going on because they haven't evolved enough, you know. Right. So apparently, the blue was a signal of these people knew more what was going on.、Mm-hmm. Well, we said, where can we find your dad? And they says, oh,、um, not here. Probably higher up. So she's back up above that, and it's like she's in space. And all of a sudden, there's a door and it's open. And I says, well, just kind of float through that door, and she floats through the door. And then, oh, I'll never forget that look on her face and the <laughs> tears that started coming down、oh. her. She says, "She says, oh my God, this is true. This is real. This, this is my dad. It's my dad, you know."、Mm-hmm. And um, uh, anyway, uh, she was a little afraid to go over and talk to him. So I said, "Look, this is your dad's. You know, your dad's there. This is his spiritual self. You're, he's not. You know, he's." It's、uh, it's going to be different. It's not going to be like your dad down here. So if she gets、right. closer to him, her face looks incredulous, and she's going, "My dad's smiling at me." You know, she never、uh-huh. ever felt a smile from her dad when she was living, and so she started crying again. It's like I said, "Yeah, this is your dad. This is the you know your real the real self of your dad." So she has this conversation, and her father held her and said, "Look." Daughter, you don't know how hard that was for me to play that role of being the militaristic dad to you, but we had an agreement that your your Earth self forgot、uh, that、mm. I was supposed to play that role because you needed to learn about forgiveness, you needed to learn to set boundaries, and you needed to learn to be able to be、um, a strong woman on your own and not be codependent on other people. And、um, she, after the session, she's going. My God, that's right. You know, look what I've become. I am this strong woman. I'm good at setting boundaries and all that. I said, yeah.、Mm-hmm. You know, so she went from, in a way, disliking her father and being hurt by her father. Her whole, her whole picture of her father changed when she realized that her dad was just down here playing a part, so that she could learn things that she wanted to learn. So that shows you the healing that can happen. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and so I was quiet for a little while, and I says, "Just spend some time with your dad." So、um, I just and I said, "When you're done, just speak up, and we'll you can tell me what you and your father did, and we'll put it on the recording." So、mm-hmm. about ten minutes later, she was done, and you know, she says, "Wow, I, I got to spend time with the dad I never had here on Earth, but I, now I see who his real beautiful soul." So、yeah. you know, I just there's just I got a couple hundred of those thing <laughs> things like this that's happened. That's why I love this work. Yeah.、Um, It never gets old.、Um, the only thing that I'm finding out is I have to pace myself, and they told me that I have to pace myself because my physical body can only handle so much energy, even though it's good energy.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like electricity. You know, there's a certain point <laughs> we, we can handle our body, but if you get too much, you're going to kill yourself. You know, just absolutely, yeah. You know, so you know they have me. I'm doing maybe three, sometimes four a week、um, now. Instead of like I tried to a few months ago, I did eight in one week, and after the eighth session, I I got in my car. I I, I went down to L.A.、Uh, mm-hmm. I I pretty much travel all of California doing sessions. Like、uh, down in L.A., I'll get like five or six people that want to have sessions, and I'll spread it out over a couple of weeks. 
So mm-hmm. I'll go down there and then I come back up to like San Francisco area and I'll go over to Sacramento. But then I hit like Fresno and Bakersfield, you know, the different cities like sometimes have people that want to have sessions. And lately mm-hmm. people have been flying in here and I, it's a little scary because I go, oh, what if the session doesn't work and they fly all the way from <laughs> New Jersey? Um, sure. There's a man coming a couple weeks. He's coming from uh, New Jersey and um uh I found a hotel here with a good rate for him he's coming in and then i i actually blocked out two days just in case if if the if a session isn't successful we can do one a second day um as i mentioned it's about 90 successful within one or two sessions right. uh, about 80 of the time people on the very first session have this amazing experience um, and then people that come back for a second session about half of those are successful. And I've had a few mm-hmm. people come for thirds and only one for a fourth. And that person had the most amazing session on the fourth time. Um, and um, so that's what makes us believe that anybody can do this. It's it's just somehow we get in our own way, you know, sure. Or maybe people have a have a fear of um, being vulnerable of like if they're in hypnosis, you know, some sort of subconscious fear or something. I don't know. But like anything, nothing is 100%, you know, but this is, you know, pretty close to that. You know, which is uh-huh. uh, which makes it good. But we've been fine tuning this process for 40 years, so mm-hmm. you know we've uh, we found out what works and doesn't work. Um, now the third thing, okay. So first thing, write a list of cast of characters. Mm-hmm. The second thing is the questions you want to have answered about your life. Could even be about your love life, about your occupation. You know, um, mm-hmm. they'll they're just like life coaches. You know. Uh, like really, really good life coaches, <laughs> really good. And they can help you. And, and sometimes they won't answer you directly because uh, part of the learning process is figuring it out yourself, you know. Um, but sometimes they will, they will give you a direct answer on some things. Uh, like w- one of my clients, she, she had constantly been in relationships with, um, with bad guys and you know alcohol or out people with alcohol problems and stuff and she had an alcohol problem herself because she's always drinking with the person who's always drinking which is her mate but it was very unhealthy in that and she she wanted out of that relationship and she's just saying can i find just a good guy that's not a you know into drugs and alcohol and will treat me right and mm-hmm. they, they, they just said one sentence to her they said you already know him and that's all they said and then when we talked about it after, she says, no, I just, I know everybody I know. There's nobody I'm interested in. <laughs> well, a month later, she's in, she's, um, she's a bookkeeper for a yacht club. And she's walking by this guy that she's known for like 10 years. And mm-hmm. there was just a little, a little something in that when he walked by. Anyway, they've been together now for about almost four years and she's happier as could be. And she told me when they came, they came over for dinner when I she says, Regan, that is so weird. Like they said, I already knew this person and I didn't, but look at, I knew him for nine years and I didn't even think of him as far as a, a maid or anything, but it, something happened, you know? So mm-hmm. that was a, a good success story, you know, there. So after um, the third thing people do to prepare themselves for a life between life session from the Newton Institute here or from me mm-hmm. or some, one of our other people. Cause we have 200, there's 250 of us now and we're scattered in 46 countries. Mm-hmm. We handle about eight different languages. And because of COVID now we can actually, um, we started doing sessions on zoom and that was a big game changer for us. We, we had no idea that zoom sessions would be just as successful as in-person ones. So 
that's that's amazes me. And because I was on coast to coast, you know, a few weeks ago. Absolutely. And, oh my gosh, um, you know, I had four thousand people go to my website overnight. Um, so there's a lot of interest in this, you know. Um, and so you know, I have like four Zoom sessions coming up. They're all East Coast. That I'll be doing. Those are scheduled for November, I believe. Um, but it just shocks me that here I am. They're, I'm just seeing them on Zoom, and they go right into trance, right into that deep level. You know, go to their, um, go before the council, get their questions answered. Go to their soul group, talk to everybody, and mm -hmm. uh, have that experience. And it's it's just amazing um, how this works. Mm -hmm. So um, now, okay, third thing they do to prepare for a session is mm -hmm. to list uh, any health issues they have. Mm. Um, almost everybody has something, you know, right. even if it's yeah. just a bad back or mm. they got bad knees or something. Sure. Now, I'm certified with both the Newton Institute and also QHHT, which is Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique. It's the Dolores Cannon School. And oh. um, um, I got certified by both because um, I just wanted to know more about how to even make this better. And their process is so similar to the Newton Institute that I've been able to kind of blend the two together so that we can deal with people's health issues. Mm -hmm. um, because I got thinking, I guess, you know, we're in Disneyland and instead of going on two or three rides, why not go on all the rides? Because we're here, you know, so let's check out the health issues. Now, here's this. Some of this stuff is going to blow your mind. It blows mine every time I think about it. It's just uh -huh. so cool. At one point, what I've been doing now, I don't know if other the other therapists are doing this because most of them don't have both certifications. But um, next time we all get together or we have a big Newton get together with a lot of us therapists, I'm going to suggest that they add this into the sessions, even though it makes them longer. You know, it's more work to do. But heck, you can do. Uh, just a better session for your client when you talk about their health issues. Sure. Um, so what I've been doing that's been real successful lately is once we get the questions answered, I ask the council, I say, okay, now we're here. Jeremy has some health issues that we'd like to discuss. May mm -hmm. I ask his higher self to do a body scan to see if you can find anything? Or do you have somebody here, you know, up here that's better qualified? About 60, 70% of the time they say, well, Higher self could do it, but we have somebody here. And then instantly there's like a healer right before you. And I have you, you know, have you describe him what, what does he or she or it look like, you know? And generally, like sometimes people see them in bodily form, but mm -hmm. more times than not, it's a ball of energy, but you recognize it as another soul. And so we ask that ball of energy, you know, okay, what name can we call you? They'll give us the name. And then we say, okay, we have this issue, this issue, and this issue. First of all, can you tell my client why they have this particular issue? Okay. And okay. that is worth the price of admission right there. It's clarification of how you made yourself sick. Right. And it usually has to do with, you know, either self-love, uh, that we don't have enough self-love or that we have anger or hatred that we're holding in for something, um, or, um, you know, guilt or something, some, it, sure. we always, you know, they find out the reason why we made ourselves sick. Right. And uh, I think, you know, the world is pretty much agrees with that. Nowadays, we realize that um, our emotional stuff is what causes physical illnesses, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then we'll ask them, how can, how can this be reversed? And they'll usually tell you, you know, 
work on forgiveness for your dad that you hate right now, you know, and that your symptoms will clear up. And then I ask, well, can you do a body scan? And they'll say yes. So then I tell my clients, okay, I'm going to be quiet now. And I want you to experience this, whatever's happening where they do a body scan. When you're mm-hmm. done, speak up. And I want you to tell me what happened so we can put it on the recording. Sure. And so, you know, a few minutes later, they'll say, oh, my God. They go, I was, I know one of my clients, she says, they levitated me. And my, my healer came, he had this wand. It was like a lightsaber or something, but it had all these colors coming from it, like a paddle. And mm-hmm. he said, he lifted me up and he went under from my tip to my toes, all the way up to my head. And then my head all the way down to my toes. And she says, oh my God, it would just felt like the most amazing thing. Like, you know, like you were getting purified or cleansed or something mm-hmm. like that. It was amazing, you know. Uh, and then we'll ask, um, because they won't do it without asking, they want you to be very precise because they mm-hmm. don't want to intrude even the slightest on a person's experience. So sure. if we, we usually will, I'll say, okay, well, we're going to ask for this and would you be willing to give a healing? And I've had a few times where they said yes. And mm-hmm. this wasn't on anything major so far that I've had, but uh, one lady had a frozen hip and she's she moves around as they say, well, we'll give her healing on that because she realizes that she's created that. She now realizes she's created that problem with her hip because she's afraid of moving forward in the new things that are coming up in her life. There's a lot of changes coming and she's had fear. Wow. Well, they counseled that over there and they could tell she understood and now was willing to just move forward. So she's just on my, my couch here and all of a sudden she's moving around and pop and her, her hip popped and she walked out without a limp. So oh, that's I, awesome. I went, okay, I kind of like this. This is kind of cool, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I did have a woman, she's 84. She has stage four rectal cancer. And uh, it was about eight months ago and I just got an email from her the other day and she says, Regan, ever since the session, my doctors say my tumors are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So who knows, but, um, you know, something's happening, you know, if it's not a healing in the physical, it's at least on some spiritual level or some, something's going on, you know, yeah. that they do this for. So, um, when someone comes to me, then they have their homework mm-hmm. and we spend a couple hours going over it. And I say, okay, these are the people you want to talk to. Uh, these are the questions you want to have answered. These are the health issues that we want to deal with. I get it all organized and everything. That takes a couple hours to really plan. Cause I, and then I need to know about their life, you know, like sure. when they're t- talking to me about the different characters in their life, they'll, they'll say, oh my God, this was this person here. I just hate. You know, oh my God, every time my mother-in-law is sure. over here, I just, there's part of me wants to punch her, you know, but I know I won't do it, but oh Well, it's my, just things that you would do in a normal, uh, hip, or not even hypnotherapy, but if you just go to your therapist and, right. you know. Yeah, these would be people normally I would, and, and I have people that aren't into this that's too, it's too, it's just not in their realm of thinking, you know, they think it's sure. too scary or the devil's going to get me or something weird. Right. And so I just do regular therapy with them and- um, and actually can help them a lot, even with regular therapy to kind of deal with that. Uh, but this is kind of like therapy on steroids, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, when you can get the answer to the why things are difficult, why do you have trouble with these people? You know, why are these roadblocks in your life? Why does everything seem to be against you? And when you find out why it changes, it's a game changer because you come back and you think about it and you kind of stop. You, you kind of stop uh, griping about everything or playing mm-hmm. the victim role. And you realize, yeah. wait, I guess I chose this. I better get to work here. You know, so it's, it helps, helps a lot that way. Um, so 
um, we've discovered six stations over there so far. And okay. one of them is the place of rejuvenation, which um, is different than the healing, they're doing the healing. The rejuvenation is usually where my clients go um, the very first thing, because I'll ask the guys, I'll say, you know, can my client go to, to experience this place of rejuvenation? And I says, okay. And then it's, it's similar, but different. Uh, most of the time when they go to this place of rejuvenation has something to do with what they say is like water, like pools of water, or waterfalls. Sure. Um, uh, I did have one though. She ended up, she was like in the Sahara desert. It was like just this, this cleansing sand and she was laying back and the sand felt scratchy on her, you know? And, uh, and actually she was holding hands with the man that she was from the life that she just, you know, the past life she just had was uh -huh. she was a man in that lifetime and he had a very difficult uh, death. And so this is, is so, I just tell you, I just smile because it's so amazing what happens here. Imagine um, uh, you guys, if, okay, you went to a past life, you were this other guy in another past life and he just, you know, he lived till he was 80, died. Um, and then now he's there, but when you're in this, when you're in this trance, you're, you're seeing, it's like, it's you there now, but it's, you're also seeing who you were in that other lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, and he's seeing you who he's going to be in another lifetime. <laughs> Isn't that wild? That'd be awkward. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's just like, because there's no time and space over there. It's almost like everything is simultaneous. It's just so weird. So mm -hmm. a lot of times in a rejuvenation place, like my client, when, you know, the, the person who she was, she was a man in his other lifetime and had a very difficult death. And so he was worn out, you know. So she's holding his hand, which is her from another lifetime. They mm -hmm. go to this place of rejuvenation. They lay down in the sand. And I asked the guide, just ask the guide there why it's sand and not water or something. And he mm -hmm. said, well, the sand is going to be, a, is going to leach out all of the blackness from you, all of the pain, all of the stuff from you. So she mm. laid there and she could just feel that the sand, you know, I'm just thinking swimming pools. What do we do? We use sand filters, you know, mm. filters out all the impurities and stuff so they don't go in your water. So it was kind of like that. Huh. So it was about five minutes and I just checked in on her. I says, how are you doing? And she goes, well, I'm fine. I'm, I'm all rejuvenated now, but myself, I need to stay with him a little longer because he's still having trouble. So she waited there and then she finally says, okay, we're done. And then she says goodbye to that person who she was in that lifetime, who went back to the afterlife himself, you know, that part of her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we proceeded to go to the council and then she went to her soul group. Um, so we have the place of rejuvenation. We have the council that you get to go before, get your questions answered. Mm -hmm. And then the soul group where you get to see and talk to people that have passed on or people that are still alive in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the three big major things that happen. Now, occasionally I'll have clients that are artists or they mm -hmm. are writers, artists, musicians, painters, dancers, you know, mm -hmm. something where they're in the, in the fields. So if I know that ahead of time, then I'll ask them up there. I'll say, Hey, is there a place that my client could visit that would be a place that would give inspiration for their particular art? And uh, they said, yeah. So all of a sudden, like me, when I was there, one of my questions was, is there a place where I could be inspired to write music? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. So instantly I'm in this, like, it's like a wisdom temple, but I'm in this room. I'm on a little, like a riser about, oh, it's a small riser. 
maybe six, eight inches above mm-hmm. where the audience would be. And my guide was next to me. He's playing this beautiful violin music. And just I'm just hearing it. It's just lovely. I'm hearing it. And Rebazar, that was my guide's name. He says to me, Regan, when you want to be inspired for music, I want you just to feel yourself back on this little stage in this place where I'm right next to you here. And that's all you have to do. Just put your consciousness here and that'll help inspire you. And then he had a fishing rod and he throw, <laughs> had a bunch of hooks on it and he casts it out into like where the audience would normally be. And then he mm-hmm. pulls it back and on all the hooks were different notes, you know, and he oh, says, just, cool. just, yeah, I said, just picture this. And then that'll open your subconscious, you know, to where you can get inspired for that. Um, recently, and you can go I, back to that when you need it. Like you can. I, this is so weird. I came back from that. I, I, I was a music major in college, but not really. I mean, I was 19 <laughs> years old and I, I was in a rock band. I was a lead guitar player in a band. That's and cool. yeah, I was fun. I'll tell you, that was a fun time. You know, I got married <laughs> at 19 and then I had a kid and that ended that, you know. <laughs> um, so I didn't play for another 20 years. Um, yeah. but you know, we played school dances and battle of the bands and, you know, for a couple of years. And, sure. uh, when I look back at that, that was just so cool. It was so much fun. It was, you know, we were back at the time of the, of the, the animals and the doors and the, we had a, we had a keyboard player that could play every door song, you know, oh, and we awesome. had to, but we had to carry this big Leslie, uh, thing you know keyboard everywhere we went it was a big setup and everything but boy was he good um so we played like the doors songs and we played oh the animals and the monkeys and and the rolling stones all that kind of stuff it was really great Mm -hmm. so um anyway i never really you know i got c's and stuff on my classes because i I couldn't in the piano room and we'd be in there to practice i'd start to read music for 10 minutes and i just my brain would just want to explode trying to do it. So I would just improvise, you know, I would just be in there for hours, just messing around. So, Mm -hmm. um, I thought, but I always wanted to write. I always felt like I wanted to write music. So I actually came back and I, uh, from my thing there and I, I was, um, actually wrote a CD and got it produced. I got my first royalty check recently. Um, yeah, I came like in, in a month, I came up with 18 songs in a month. I mean, and I can tell you the truth now, I haven't played in about 10 months. And I think because I, I don't, I don't have them transcribed anywhere. I just have to remember them. And mm. I, it's, I don't know if I could play half of them now, but <laughs> my songs, they said my songs ever played, I think on iHeartRadio like 26,000 times. And I made $98. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we <laughs> know that feeling. In. Oh yeah. No money in that, you know, for sure. But it's just something I wanted to do, you know, like write books. I, you know, I, uh, you know, I've written five books now. Um, well for people listening, if they want to read about my personal experience of going to the afterlife and back, it's called three hours and 33 minutes in heaven. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's just about my story, but, um, journey of souls is, um, a journey of souls is sold, uh, journey of souls and it's, and it's follow-up book called destiny of souls is sold a million copies. Wow. Um, cause people really want to know about this stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the books, uh, there's so many books you can like Michael Newton's books. You can get some of them in libraries, uh, used books for like, I, when I see them on used books, I'll buy a couple copies They're usually five or six bucks, you know, sure. cause there's so many out there. Um, and it kind of tells about how this, this was all started. Um, I didn't say how this all started, did I? 
Not yet, but I was going to get to it. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, since, since I'm thinking of it, okay, because it was discovered by accident, as most things are, it seems, you know. Uh-huh. But by accident, but probably not, because it was probably supposed to happen for Michael to do this uh, research. Um, Michael Newton, back in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, he was just a hypnotherapist. He was an agnostic. He didn't know if he believed in God or not. Mm-hmm. Um, he was helping a client with a standard thing hyp- hypnos- hypnotists do, uh, which is to help people stop smoking, lose weight. I forget sure. which one of them it was, but anyway, he gets, he's finishing the session up and he talks to his client and he says to his client, okay, I'm going to count you up from one to five to bring you back to here. And, uh, he started, as he said one, then the customer says, no, no. He says, what do you mean? No. He says, I don't want to come out. He says, no, I'm <laughs> going to count you up. You'll be out of hypnosis. And the, the client refused. And he says, this wow. was weird. Why? And the client yeah. says, he says, I want to go home and see my friends. And Michael says, well, I'm going to wake you up. You're going to go home and see your friends. <laughs> smart ass. You know, smart right. guy. Like, what's going on here? I'm trying to bring you up. You know, sure. the client says no. And then Michael just said, okay. And then all of a sudden the client was talking. He said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm talking to my friends. And, you know, he so Michael being inquisitive, he was kept asking him questions and found out that these were his soul group that's back home on the other side. You know, people he missed because he'd come down to incarnate here and there were so many of his friends that were still back home on the other side that he missed them and he really wanted to talk to them. Sure. So that's how this started and Michael being inquisitive and being the re- a born researcher this way he found a way he proceeded to do that with 7,000 people. You wow. know, Wow. I don't know how he does it. I mean that's he must have been busier than heck. <laughs> but he kept when people are on the other side, he just incessantly kept asking more questions and more questions and more questions. Well, ask him about, ask the people over there about this. What happens is, what happens is, and that's when he wrote that book, Journey of Souls. And it mm-hmm. talks about that. And there's, I think, about 22 cases in there. It's one of those books when you start reading it, you, you can't put it down because you, right. you can't help but relate to your life, to what these other peoples are doing. And you wonder about yourself, you know, mm-hmm. about your origins and you wonder about your purpose and why are people in your life, you know, that way. Um, so Destiny of Soul, Journey of Souls, and then mine, the three hours, 33 minutes in heaven is is a quick read. And it's, uh, it kind of, t- people, when they read my book, they say, well, I'm comparing it to my life and all of these, these um, places where forks in the road came and my life changed because of this and that and the miracles that happened and the dreams that I had and, and so forth. And people can kind of relate to that and see, how sometimes our lives don't seem to make sense until we get to the last few chapters, you Mm -hmm. know, and we look back and we go, Oh my God, that's why that happened. You know, that's why that difficult thing happened because look what happened. It changed me. It led me over this way where you are now, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing that way. So that's how it was discovered. And, um, Michael passed away about six months before I got my training. And I've always felt bad about that because I never got to meet him in person because there's videos. If you type in like Michael Newton on YouTube, you can you can see him. Uh, it's like when he was later on in his life. Sure. Um, and he's talking about on my website, actually, on the visit the afterlife. It's uh, visit the afterlife dot com. There's some mm-hmm. videos on there of him speaking. And uh, there's also on my website at visit the afterlife dot com. There's a young girl going through the process. Uh, that's not me. It's the therapist, but it's another 
one of our therapists that allowed us all to, uh, you know, use that uh, sure. video of that young lady. Um, so it gives an it gives people an idea of what uh, of what it's like. Uh, and there's some also some videos on there on my site too of past life regression. Um, and I have another book actually. I'm, uh, people that are your listeners here, uh, Jeremiah, if they want to go to my site and uh, request. Um, uh, reincarnation is real. That's my latest book, and okay. it's an ebook, and I'm giving it away right now. So they can just say, "Hey, heard you on the on the podcast, and and uh, like a free copy." And that's a real fun book. It's a real quick read. It's about all the current research being done. Um, and I want to give a you know give a plug to the University of Virginia too, who's been doing 40 years of research into past lives. That's wow. very interesting that a university has a whole section of the university there that's doing research that's great news yeah. <laughs> i didn't think anybody was doing anything like no. that oh my gosh university university of virginia for 40 years they had a someone who died they said uh, they left a millions of dollars and said this is for you and the money can only be used for research into an afterlife so they started a uh, a section there uh ian stevenson he's passed away now but he was their main researcher but what they've done they've kept it very pure like uh, they know mm -hmm. that people can go to past lives through hypnosis, which is the easiest way for everybody to do it. But they, because of um, our, our brains are so suggestible and they wanted to take any of that out of there. So they've only researched small children who remember past lives, you okay. know, kids that are three, four or five years old. Right. And when, they, when they, someone notifies the university, they send somebody out to interview the child and the child will tell them everything they remember. And then they send send a team out to try to prove that what the child said was true, and mm -hmm. they just published a book. It's called Before by Jim Tucker, mm -hmm. and these are all case histories they've been able to prove of these children who said they lived in a certain town and this was their name and this is what happened and this is how they died, and they went back and could find uh, proof of that. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we did, but, I can't remember the lady we did the podcast on, but she she was. Um, in India, and she was pretty famous. Uh, where, yeah, she said, "Hey, there's some uh, money stored here in this old house that I used to live in," and nobody believed her. But of course, oh. you know, there's money, so they're like, "Well, we'll give it a shot." And <laughs> sure enough, they went there and found a box of, you know, it wasn't millions of dollars or anything, but, but they found a, yeah, they found a box of money. And and this girl was, yeah, like five or six. There's, I mean, there's no way that she could have possibly known this. So yeah, no, no. Well, you know, I, I was always kind of a believer in mediums, but yet mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, fake mediums out there kind of, you know, right. like, like I call like the gypsy type, but some of the gypsies are real too. I found out too, but there's, it's because we're so gullible and we're so stuff there's, you know, um, there's people that uh, are out there just to take your money, but that yeah. doesn't mean that they're all bad. It even says in the Bible, you know, they say, oh, in the end times, you know, there's going to be so many false prophets. But then mm -hmm. it says you will know a false prophet by the fruits of their trees. In other mm -hmm. words, if what they say ends up being true and is loving and kind and that sort of thing, then they're probably a good prophet. But the problem is some people think they just say all prophets are bad. But no, in the Bible, it says there are some bad, but there's good ones, too. You know, and you, you can you have to test them and everything. I sure. just finished a podcast um, with a very, very talented. Um, uh, we had we was a, we did it together for three years and we've both gotten so busy now that we've I'm just on our show like uh, podcast every 
every third Wednesday, we do it at four o'clock Pacific time. It is called Angelic Clarifications. And her name is Natasha, Natasha Venter. That's V-E-N-T-E-R. Uh, mm -hmm. For people that are like, if people don't have the time or whatever to have a life between life session with me on Zoom or for one of the other therapists at the Newton Institute, Natasha's um, a, a good one that can give people some, you know, because she can just talk to people on the other side. I mean, she's she's amazing. And she was just on coast to coast, too, um, mm -hmm. and did very, very well on there. Uh, just loving, kind, so much wants to help and be a light worker. Um, and that so um, <clears throat> doing this work it really gave me an understanding because what, what happens when people are in trance uh, when they're going through a life between life process they become like a medium in other words mediums sure. are one step ahead of us they can have their eyes wide open they don't have to be asleep or anything you know they, they just see it okay right. because they're developed that way but the rest of us can become like a medium when you get into this um, altered state uh, mm -hmm. this very sleepy state you know what we call trance or or hypnosis, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, but, you know, there's nothing like being there yourself, you know, rather than getting it through an, a, a, a third party, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, it's, it's good that way. Um, so, um, oh, let me tell you more about the, um, it's, I just love it when, the, when I have these clients that want inspiration for something. Sure. I had a client come to me recently, she's a dancer, and mm -hmm. uh, she's in her 50s now. And one of her questions was, you know, she did a lot of Broadway uh, commercials, things like that. Well, in the last few years, she's she's not getting hired hardly at all. They're hiring all the young girls, you know. And, of course. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, but it, it's it's like as we all get older, you know, we all face that, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So she's before the council. She says, you know, what can I do about this? I really want to get more work and everything. And the council, in a very polite way, said to her, time to be a teacher <laughs> and she goes ah i knew that i knew that right. i can do that you know but um on the side uh, she's a salsa dancer she's a really good salsa dancer she's been auditioning different men to be a salsa partner for her because she wants to get into competition but she mm -hmm. hasn't found anybody that's equivalent is that she can would be a good partner and she's getting frustrated mm -hmm. so i happened to think i said she's before the council i said do they have a do they have a place over here where you can get inspiration for dance? And they said, sure. So boom, instantly she's in this, like a, it's like a dance hall. And I say, well, can you, you know, I says, please describe to me, what are you seeing? And she goes, oh, wow, there's a couple over here and they're doing the cha-cha, you know, and uh -huh. oh my gosh, there's some people doing the waltz over there. And wow, there's some people doing salsa here. Now that confused me because I'm thinking, wait a minute. You know, there's three bands playing or something that's totally different <laughs> yeah, music and different beats for everything and i was just i was saying is this really happening i says well what are they listening to she says oh everybody's hearing the music that they need to hear you know so i went oh cool you know because over there <laughs> that's gonna happen you know like that sure so i said is there a salsa teacher here and the the guide there says yes and i said well is he around and they go yeah and so all of a sudden, here's this being that comes up and I had her describe him to me and said he was this handsome looking guy, you know, she was seeing him like in a physical form uh -huh. and um, and he was the teacher there. And so I thought I'd be brave here and I'd say, well, can my client have a dance with him? And they said, mm -hmm. sure. So, oh my gosh. And I said, okay, go have a dance with him. I'm just going to be quiet here. Tell me when you're done. So I'm watching her and her face is just moving around and smiling 
oh my gosh, she's having a good time. I could tell, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. when it was over, she finally says, oh my god, I'm so spoiled now. I just had a dance with the the best salsa dancer in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, great. That way. So you know, for people listening, this may just sound too weird or too something, but it's not. It's happening. This is something that's that's as real as could be. And all you have to do is, um, uh, like, if you were sitting in the room with me, watching a half a dozen of these people go through this and seeing everybody have basically the same experience, and they're all different ages, men and women, different、mm-hmm. religions or no religion, you know,、sure. and they have this this amazing experience. And I've been there twice now too. So. Um, second time was a kind of a quick trip that I did, but boy, I got a, I got a couple of good answers、uh, from some things I had questions on. Twenty-eight、um, of us therapists、uh, during COVID, we said, "Hey, you know, let's go to the other side and let's all ask the same five questions about COVID, and、mm-hmm. and then compare and see what we get because that's what you do as researchers, right? You know,、sure. it's not just one person said, but if if out of say twenty-four out of twenty-eight got the same answers." Something's going on here, you know, and you might right, think right. maybe this is true. So we did it over Zoom.、Um, my therapist was a, a Newton Institute therapist in Alabama, and、um, uh, so I'm sitting here just like I am now at my chair at my desk, and、um, she's she's、um, putting me in trance, or I'm allowing, she's helping me to get myself there in、sure. trance, and so it's kind of happening. And but part of me is thinking, you know what, I. Is this really happening? Am I just making this up? Even though I do、sure. this all the time, sure, your mind can't help but think that because it happens in your mind, you know. Right, right. And、uh, it didn't feel like I was quite as deep as the first time that I went.、Uh, didn't seem quite as big of a deal.、Uh, mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I'm before my counsel to start asking. We asked the questions about COVID and everything, which, by the way, was like a non-important issue over there.、Um, in the bigger picture of things, it's just something happening down here. But you know.、Um, I'll paraphrase in a way. What they kind of told me over there was, everybody that died, they're back home here. They're doing just fine, so don't worry about them. You know, and then I asked about the vaccines, and they said, well, you know, could be okay. It's a personal choice. If people want to take the vaccine, it might do them some good. And if not, you know, it's up to them.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, we didn't get any. Oh, you know, they're they're the poisons or their vaccines are poison, or if you don't get it, you're going to die or anything. It was just, just. You know, you guys do what you want, <laughs> you、yeah. know, kind of thing, and that's pretty much what we got from it. But、um, uh, what made this real was right towards the end when I got the questions answered. There, they halted for a minute, and、um, there's、uh, I guess six people were on my on my、uh, on my council,、mm-hmm. uh, and it was the same the same main person as my first trip there. That's what made it real to me too, because it's it was、uh, late C. It's a Chinese-looking、uh, uh, guy that, when he looks at me,、um, I just laugh or smile because he's got so much love coming from his eyes.、Mm-hmm. Anyway,、uh, he moved aside, and the other people in the council moved aside, and they put another chair there, and in walked、uh, Michael Newton, who I'd never、oh. met before he was there. And it's it's just so weird. I started here. I am in the room just like this. When he came and sat there, I started crying like a baby. I couldn't help myself. It was、Aww. just all this emotion erupting from me.、Mm-hmm. So then, in my mind, I go, "Okay, cool, Regan, you're here." You know, because this、yeah. is just too weird. You know, why would I start crying? You know, and Michael Newton had a nice conversation. And as he showed up in seventy-five percent of the twenty-eight of us, he showed up and、uh, basically all told us the same thing. He said, "He said, look, Regan, 
everybody doesn't need to have a life between life session like you're doing. He said, that would be nice. And if they feel it's right for them, then they probably need to do it. But he said, over here, what we're, and he says, I want you to tell this to people. What we're all concerned with and what we want people to do is for all of us to help anybody that we know in any way we can to get to their next step of spiritual evolvement. And that could be as simple as maybe um, suggesting to a friend they might start meditating mm-hmm. or start reading the Bible or you know find a spiritual group that uplifts you or people that you like that are thinking about God. It sure. didn't, you know, it's like, even if it's the smallest little step. And the, the picture I got in my mind was that I'm looking down, I'm climbing up a ladder and there's someone below me and I happen to have a little more information than they do. So I reach down and I help pull them up to the next rung. Mm-hmm. And as I do that, I look up and there's another soul that's just above me that's pulling me up around, you know, it's like we're all just, uh, you know, so um, he said, doesn't matter if they do Dolores Cannon's thing or if they just do meditation or if they practice mindfulness, uh, you know, if they're if they're just putting concentration on taking care of their body better on self-love. In other words, it's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that just made sense to me and I and it was good now just as I was leaving to come back from my second time in heaven in the afterlife, um, I asked late C a question. I said, this, you know, this place where you're allowing uh, us therapists to bring people so they can experience the, you know, uh, this this part of heaven. I said, is this it? Is this, is mm-hmm. this like heaven or is there more? And in a second, he jumps up and he shoots his hand to the sky and shakes him and laughing and smiling. It's kind of like he was saying, you know, you haven't seen anything yet, you know. Right. So what I took from that, that this portal that they've opened up for people to see is like heaven 101. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's so vast. It's so there's just so much uh, over on this other side that we can't even fathom it, you know, at this point. Um, But. The main thing that they said is that that I get from this is that, like, uh, you and Ryan right now and me, where this is where this is where we this is the class we took right now. This is the class that we need to be spending time in and doing all the homework and and not mm-hmm. fantasizing about something else, you know. Sure. So uh, what they hope will happen when people get this glimpse of heaven is realize that heaven is real. Um, that they have meaning and purpose in their life, that they're not down here, just happenstance. They're Mm -hmm. here to accomplish something. And the third thing is to realize that none of us are alone. We always have a helper, a guide or guides, you know, on the other side that are trying to uh, help us to um, achieve our goals, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when people come back, they want them to kind of just go, wow, I better get to work. You know, I better... I, I have more motivation now to be kind every day when I wake up instead of selfish, you know. Oh, we um, could all use that. Oh, boy. I tell you, though, I just, I have to be honest, this, this, I, I probably, oh, in the last seven, eight years since I had my session, so many times when there's something happened in my life and I try to step forward to be selfish, because that's mm-hmm. my go-to, you know, that's my, my, that's my go-to. Sure, sure. Selfish Reagan, you know. I start to move forward. Sometimes I maybe get a step or two, but sometimes mm-hmm. now I get like a half step and I pull my foot back and I, <laughs> and then I do something that takes a little bit of work uh, mm-hmm. to be selfless, you know, or kind. Sure. Um, there's a bumper sticker I saw, best bumper sticker I ever saw that says, um, kindness is love with uh, work boots on. 
you know, you <laughs> sure. know, it's like it's it takes effort to 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 not be selfish or to be, you know, give that person the last piece of the pie or, to, you know, to stand there and hold the door open for somebody for a second or two longer than we would normally or, mm-hmm. you know, to pick up a, a little piece of trash that's not ours that someone else left there, you know, yeah. um, take takes effort, you know. Now, I've got a couple kind of uh, low vibration questions for you. I know we've gotten really deep and I I know that the place you're talking about is, you know, a higher evolved state. And I know you do, you know, you give the homework like, hey, what are these questions? Do you have people that are like, can you give me the lottery numbers? Can you tell me when I'm going to die? Can you tell me, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Stuff like that. Is that stuff that you kind of weed out and say, eh, you don't really need to ask this question? Well... Um, I would say if a person wants to ask that thing, I would have them ask. I think general. I've never had anybody do that, but mm-hmm. it, it might be that we kind of know, <laughs> we kind of know that that's probably a, a greedy thing to do or not a good right. thing to do. Um, and um, but I've never had anybody ask. It's funny in the hundreds I've done, I've not had anybody ask that. Now, um, I have one client of mine that uh, she. Uh, who's uh, actually she has done uh, a life between life session before and she did QHHT I think three times you know she's getting older now but this is over the past 15 years or so sure and she she said there's a lot of things happening in the later part of her life that she wants clarity on so we're going to do another one but she did ask um, when she was on the other side and she found out she knows the day and the hour when she's going to die and she Hmm. said that was the most freeing thing that she ever heard in her life you know, she says she knows, you know, she even told me how many, she says, well, I've got five years and so many days and so many hours and it's time for me to go. Now we'll have to wait and see if that happens, you know, but, sure. um, and I, like me, all of us, like right now, if you could ask, I don't know if I'd want to know, you know, yeah. like I can see, I think there would probably be, um, for me, there would be probably as many positives as negatives, you know, sure. so maybe you know, that way. I mean, for sure, I think we would, if we all knew when we were going to go, um, if we're spiritual people, we'd try to make the best of it. And of yeah. course, if you had somebody that's unevolved, he says, well, if that's when I'm going to die, heck, <laughs> I'm going to go rob as many banks as I can until then. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and do it. they can shoot me and I won't even die or I'll get away, you know. So yeah. it's very, very tricky that way, um, <clears throat> you know, that way to know. So that would be a, it's a good question, you know, sometimes. Um, and I wondered, I might start asking my clients if, because some of them might be, I don't know. It's like, it's, I would have to, I guess I'd have to leave it to my clients. I wouldn't try to, to try to get them to ask it if they didn't really want to ask it, because I don't want that karma on me, you know, where <laughs> sure. something happens. Sure. Uh, but if somebody truly wanted to know, um, you know, I, I would imagine like if somebody, let's say they came to me and they had stage four cancer. Like one of my clients had there. Right, right. Um, that, that's um, a little different than, you know, like a 25-year-old just wanting to know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, that would be that way. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Because I always thought, I thought, well, if I was like in the army or something, you know, and mm-hmm. if I had known when I was going to die, 
well, I would know whether to charge ahead or just to stay in the bunker, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, if I know, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to die because I know when I'm going to die. I'm just going to charge ahead and be a hero or something, you know? I, oh, boy, that would that A lot would of be, variables. I know. that would, Wouldn't that make for a great um, series TV show? You Let's know, do it. Different people finding <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, finding out when they're going to die and then just to see how that would change their behavior or change something. That would be interesting. You know, it's funny. Haven't you noticed? It seems like in the last 10 years and probably the people you're interviewing and things, there's a lot of things now that 10 years ago, more people would have scoffed at or like, oh, this is too yeah. crazy or dumb. And I listened to Coast to Coast, gosh, way back when, uh, way back in the 80s and 90s or something. And mm -hmm. when you would say, I say, I listen to Coast to Coast and everybody would laugh. Oh, that's the alien guy. You know, yeah. talk about aliens and ghosts and all this crazy stuff. People don't, you know, look at all the TV shows now about, um, you know, people uh, searching ghost out ghosts and things and stuff. Yeah. And I was on a podcast um, last week of a woman and she's a ghost hunter and she has mm -hmm. a whole crew and they go out to places that are haunted and they do. She has like a 300 question questions she has 300 questions that the people that are being haunted she has them answer mm -hmm. you know and a lot of times they're finding out that when people have these uh negative things happening like furniture flying around and stuff like that and then she does more research and she finds out that the the relationship of the two people in there is very toxic you know okay. and it's like she's they're just trying to find out just in other words if we're toxic does that kind of open holes in our in our aura or something or put our defenses down to allow anything negative to come in you know sure uh i don't know you know well okay so does it matter and i think the police are coming for you oh. but <laughs> it's, it's, does <laughs> it that, yeah. does it matter if someone believes or disbelieves that they can be put under hypnosis like if i say i don't think i don't think i could be put under hypnosis does that make a difference? I, I know some people you can just snap your fingers and, you know, they're, I know, yeah. they're under. Oh, but. Yeah, on my website, there's a, a video on, on visittheafterlife.com. If you go to the, e, if people listening, go to where it says EFT hypnosis. There's like mm -hmm. a nine minute video on there that explains what hypnosis is and isn't. And when people see that all the time, they go, well, that's what it is? Wow, I never mm -hmm. think it was that because it's so simple, it's so natural. But to answer your question, if people say, I don't think I can be hypnotized, uh, I've got a good, good chance that I can hypnotize them because they just don't understand what hypnosis is. Gotcha. It's more simple than they think. If they say, I'm not letting anybody hypnotize me, I won't be hypnotized. Probably not because, okay. you know, yeah, they can, if someone really doesn't want to do, like, for instance, uh, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, if someone's under hypnosis and if they were asked to do something that they normally wouldn't do, that they just won't do it. Um, okay. Like I would tell people, I say, if you're worried about that, I says, you know, if you're if we're if you're in hypnosis and there's something wrong, just open your eyes and sit up. I mean, that's like I have no control over them or anything like that. They can just open their eyes, sit up and you're out of hypnosis. You know, I mean, it's that it's that simple. Um, mm -hmm. but I've heard, you know, from listening to coast to coast and the different things I've heard of these government programs where they've been trying to, um, you know, get people to be like the Manchurian candidate, you know, mm -hmm. where they can, you know, have them listen to their phone. They'll say a code word and that people, person will go out and assassinate somebody or something. And I kind of think that that can happen, but it's, it would be, 
it, it, it would it would take a lot of programming or just the right particular person with that sense of suggestibility, you gotcha. know, for something like to happen. Now, um, if people have gone to hypnosis shows and everything, and a lot of times they're watching it and and you're watching all these people out there acting silly and, mm -hmm. and the audience is laughing like crazy. But the audience is thinking, oh, they're just making it up. How could they really be doing that? I mean, how could they be doing that? Well, uh, research shows about 7% of the population, we call them somnambulists, somnambulists. Mm -hmm. And a somnambulist is somebody whose mind is so suggestible that they can be rapidly uh, put under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you ever watch a hypnotist show, he asks for people to come up that want to volunteer. And he probably has 10 or 15 chairs up there. Mm -hmm. And he does like, um, uh, he's watching people's body language and everything all the time. Uh, and he's doing like a quick, uh, a quick, um, you know, what we call um, a, a quick process to get them into hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And he can tell by watching people's reactions. And then he'll go up and say, okay, you guys back to your seats. I want to work. And usually if there's 10 or 15 people up there, there'll be four or five, maybe sometimes just two or three that mm -hmm. will remain. And those are the somnambulists. And those are people that can go really deep, really fast. And uh, I, gosh, I have one of my clients. And so I have a regular therapy practice. I specialize in PTSD, um, mm -hmm. fears, phobias, um, anxiety, depression, things that have high emotional content with people's, you know, their problems create high emotion and everything. Sure. And um, that was it's another show, you know, you could do your your <laughs> people would really like, and that's for them to really get educated on uh, these three new modalities that are taking over the psychological community and changing therapy forever. Um, <clears throat> it all has to do with energy psychology. There, mm -hmm. one of them is called EFT, which is emo, um, E like uh, E like Edward, F like Frank, T like Tom. EFT. Mm -hmm. Some people call it tapping. And a lot of people have heard about it now because it's kind of gone viral because it's, it's amazing uh, right. thing. The second one is EMDR. It's eye movement desensitization. Mm -hmm. um, it's where when you're talking about your issue, the, the therapist is having you follow with your eyes, this finger going back and forth and back and forth. Um, and it just seems so silly, but the results uh, can't be disputed. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. And then the third one is the new kid on the block is Havening, Havening Touch. If you go to Havening Touch Official and watch the videos on there, it'll explain how it works and you can learn it in five minutes. Uh -huh. And what they think it does is kind of uh, rebuilds uh, broken neural pathways in your mind or heals or, or it's something. But um, uh, like <clears throat> about 70% of my clients are women that have rape, incest and violence that in their lives so much yeah. so that it's ruined their lives. Yeah. And um, usually in three or four sessions, they have a semblance of normalcy again, and they stay that way. Otherwise, you'd be going to talking therapy for two, three, four, five years to eventually get to that point. Because um, all talking therapy does, it helps and it's good in, in, in a lot of ways. But what it does is it just slowly desensitizes you because you keep talking about it over and over and over and over gotcha. and over. And you desensitize yourself for this is more of it balancing the energy in your body because anytime energies um, is imbalanced in your body it creates blockages so that your body mm -hmm. can't can't um, uh, operate naturally and normally you know sure uh, we've seen like with the tapping we've seen physical healings happen because 
you open all these doors to that energy, your body can then get to where it needs to go to heal whatever it needs to heal. But when you shut it off and you close the doors, the energy can't get where it's supposed to go. Sure. And what, what EFT does, it opens all those doors. And uh, Harvard Harvard Medical School hooked people up to machines and they came out with a paper a couple years ago and they said, EFT, we don't know how EFT works, but we have proven that it does a, there's a beneficial physiological effect on your body when you tap when you do this EFT, this tapping, uh, your cortisol level will reduce from 25 to 50 percent in less than a few minutes. Um, wow. they, they said that's unheard of. That's yeah. there's no drug that can do that. Sure. Uh, and on my website, um, if they go to the EFT tab on the visittheafterlife.com, you go to EFT, watch the videos on there. You'll see four veterans with severe, severe post-traumatic stress. It's really hard to listen to what you have to listen to, to what they went through. Sure. You know. But you got to watch because it's got a happy ending and watch how these guys are after four days of EFT. Just people can't believe what they see and the differences in these men. And also you'll see in the other video there um, where we put a sample of blood under a dark field microscope mm -hmm. and look at it of people that have some health issues. They tap for five minutes, take the blood, put it under a dark field microscope again. And you got to watch you got to watch it to believe it. what happens. I mean, the, the person doing this said, I'm just going to tear up all my certificates, <laughs> have wow. all my all my stuff, and just tap for five minutes, you know, to, to do, get your healing done. So anyway, that's a that's a a, a good podcast for um, you know explaining to people how that how that all works and how easy it is for them to learn how to do you know to um, how to practice on themselves and kind of heal themselves. I wrote a book. Uh, it's called. Um, phobias gone in an hour or how and another book i wrote was called how to be your own shrink and it teaches <laughs> people these modalities that you know these guys go to get you know, six years or eight years to get um their certificates and everything and the modalities are working you can learn in a couple days you know <laughs> it's like so it's things are changing i mean and spiritually they're changing i mean this this um, energy psychology is helping the people that aren't even that spiritual, but just want to get healing from issues in their life, you know, it's working sure. great, you know, that well, way. Where are the big medical insurance companies on this? Because I was offered uh, EMDR probably about 15 years ago. Yeah. And my therapist was like, it's not covered by insurance. Um, and, and, you know, at the time I didn't have the I wasn't in a financial situation where I could afford to pay for it, but yeah. are they coming around? I, I mean, like my, um, you know, I really, because I, you know, um, w some people have come to me and they says, well, I have insurance and I'll tell them, I says, well, I don't know if that'll be covered or not, but what I'll do, I'll say, when you have your session, I will send you an invoice and I'll put the proper diagnosis things on there, which, you know, I can get from, um, I forget what the codes they call them, put the right codes in. And sure. some of my clients have said they got reimbursed and some of them said, no, they wouldn't reimburse it. Mm -hmm. The other way to get around that though, is to just, because a lot of them will, a lot of them will cover a psychiatrist or psych or a, or a psychologist, right. you know, a licensed psychologist. Well, mm -hmm. just ask the psychologist if some of the modalities they use are EFT or EMDR. Then uh, when it's, in other words, when it's, when it comes from a certified licensed psychologist uh, as a session, then a lot of times I think they could get it paid for without them specifying, oh, they did energy psychology is how they healed them, you know? Sure. So 
they would just say a one-hour session, you know, or something like that. So, that um, yeah, that's a good question, though. It's a good question. I, I would think um, now that these insurance companies would have to finally come around because if somebody can be healed from their thing in four sessions rather than them paying for a psychologist for two or three years for them, the, right. the insurance company is going to save a ton of money, you know. Uh, that way, so good it would make sense. Uh, yeah, it would make they, sense. They, uh, they don't always make sense, but no. that one makes sense. <laughs> uh, when people are under, when they're visiting this other place, have they come back and said, "Man, I had this new taste, or this new smell, or sound, or color I've never heard before, I've never seen before"? Um, well, not that particular thing, but in general, a lot of people have said that that from the time they had their session and for years that went by there that their uh, intuition seemed to uh, get better. If they had any psychic ability, it seemed to be more profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, in a sense there, yeah, but as far as, as far as um, I did, just that they overall seem to be more tuned in to the world, you know, in other gotcha. words, that they're getting more out of the world. Um, they definitely become more kind and compassionate and patient. <laughs> yeah. We could all use that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one, when, it's funny. There wasn't my client, but another therapist, we were talking cases, Muncie Seller. He said mm-hmm. he had this one client and she, uh, she found out that her mission was to come down and her mission was to learn patience. Okay. That's this lifetime was about learning patience. And so he said, well, you know, uh, like in, in earth years like this, I mean, how long have you been learning patience? And she said, Oh, about 500, <laughs> wow. you know, it's like, oh, that shows you. And can't you believe that? I mean, when you see how we could, how patience seems to have, um, you know, we think we're patient people, but then something tries our patience and we mm-hmm. realize, Oh, my case, I'm not as good <laughs> as I thought I was, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Oh boy. Like just, just become a father, you know, and have children and Whoa, boy. Do you have to be patient with those two-year-olds, you know, three-year-olds, yeah. Yeah. And 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds? I had four stepdaughters. Um, it, all at one point, they were all teenagers. And, oh, boy, did that wear me out, man. I was chasing guys <laughs> off, like swatting them off like flies, but they kept coming back, you know. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I had, but they, it turned out good. Like I have the nine grandkids now and have some have my my daughters are just absolutely beautiful all all of them so they turned out okay you know well that's good now you have uh, a couple funny stories that you've told on other podcasts about kind of uh eliminating phobias from people and some people that have had some really strange phobias could you tell us a couple stories about that Oh, um, yeah, fears and phobias. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> well, the one I wrote in my book on the one, the uh, uh, phobia's gone in one hour. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ones in there that gets people laughing because I laughed when the person told me what it was. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was at a, a nightclub. I, I also, um, one thing I learned in hypnotherapy college was how to analyze people's handwriting, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, when I graduated from hypnotherapy college, I was so intrigued with it. I got every book I could on, read on it. And for fun, 
what I would do is I would set up a, a booth uh, in, a, in a free speech area down at Venice Beach in LA and also um, at uh, Seaport Village down in San Diego. And I would have a, a little booth there and had signs out and said I did handwriting analysis. And um, when people would come to get their handwriting analysis, I would hand out my, you know, I'm a therapist card. And mm -hmm. I picked up, that's so I would get that. It was, plus, I made a couple hundred bucks a day doing doing handwriting analysis, okay? Not bad. Uh, so, no, it was good. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I got hired at a nightclub. Uh, it's a fancy nightclub to do entertainment to go around to people's tables and say, hey, on, on the house, you know, I can analyze your handwriting and I'd have them write a sentence and I'd be, you know, I'd tell them about 15 or 20 things about their personality, uh, things that a, a, an employer would want to know, you know, kind mm -hmm. of stuff like that. Well, so I'm doing that for someone. The lady sees my card there. His girl, it was doing this for a, a, a guy. He worked for the sheriff's department. He was CSI. So he's on, he's on, uh, you know, around dead bodies all the time or crime scenes right. and stuff. And um, his girlfriend was there with him and um, they were engaged. And so she sees my card and she stops him and says, well, you know, can can you do anything about phobias or fears that way? And I go, I said, yeah, sure, yeah. And um, so he's sitting there and I said, well, what's your phobia? And he said, ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, just like that, I like you, it's what everybody says. I laughed and I, but then I saw his straight face and mm -hmm. I thought, oh, he's not kidding. I went, yeah. ketchup what the heck is this? I've not heard of that one before, you know? Sure. So first thing that came to my mind is probably may came to yours. He's around dead bodies all the time. It's about blood because ketchup and blood, you know? Right. right. Um, uh, that way. And he said, no, no. He says, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I've even uh, goofed and touched someone's dead blood that's there before and it didn't bother me at all. It's just ketchup. And I, so I said, do you know where this started from? Anything from a kid or anything? He says, he says frustratingly, he says, I don't know. He says, hmm. I can't sit at a table in a restaurant. If there's ketchup on there, I have the waitress have to remove it. Uh, and she said, yeah, we're about to get married. And my favorite thing is ketchup and fries, you know? And I mean, <laughs> uh, he says, if I, if I have any ketchup, he'll, you know, he won't kiss me for like for two weeks, you know, <laughs> I mean, or make me take a shower or something, you know, I said, it's, it's yeah. just, just, she says, this is stupid. Can you help him or something? And I said, I said, okay, come on outside with me. So we went outside, we sat on the patio and had him you know, sit there. And I did this, um, this tapping with him, you know, and in the tapping, he's saying like, um, I'm having, these are the words I'm having him repeat. You know, mm -hmm. I have this, this phobia, this fear of ketchup. And he would say, I have this phobia, fear of ketchup. And even though I have this phobia and fear of ketchup, I'd love and accept myself. I love mm -hmm. and accept myself, even though I have this phobia, fear and ketchup, and it makes me crazy and people make fun of me. I love and accept myself. And we did the tapping. We go around and you tap these different points. <clears throat> it took about 15 minutes. I had my, I had an, um, an, uh, uh, an associate with me there. I said, told her, go get some ketchup from the, the this restaurant's or this bar's kitchen. So she went in there. <laughs> she, she, what she did is she squirted about a half a bottle of ketchup on a paper plate. So I was picturing a little, <laughs> sure. a little thing of ketchup or something. She had this whole big paper plate. So he had his eyes closed. And um, after we did this tapping, this EFT, I had him put his hands out and I put this plate of ketchup on his hands. And of course, his girlfriend, we're all looking, we better get out of the way because it's going <laughs> flying. You know? right. And he opened his eyes. And I can still see, I just can still see that belief in his eyes that he was seeing something he couldn't believe. 
mm-hmm. he was looking at this plate of ketchup and he shook a little bit, but he just kept looking at it like he can't understand what's going on. And he <laughs> goes, wow, wow, I'm holding ketchup and I'm not throwing it. Wow, <laughs> this is weird. You know, so anyway, um, I ran into him three years later. I don't know where I was, but he came up to me and says, you remember me? And I go, sorry, no. You know, mm-hmm. he says, I'm Chris, you know, the catch-up guy. I went, oh, my God, you know, how are you doing? He says, ever since that day, he says, I don't know what the F you did, you know, but mm-hmm. I've never had another panic attack with catch-up again. He says, I still don't like to eat it, but it can be around me or something, and I'm perfectly fine. I don't start getting the shakes and, and tremors and stuff when I'm around sure. it. So, you know, and another one that I had, which interesting was, is this woman, um, I was, a, you know, I'm a Screen Actors Guild member, and I was at a in Hollywood, I was a Screen Actors Guild party, and you know, a lot of us actors were talking about things. And a, and a uh, an actress asked me what I did, and I told her, and she goes, "God, I wish you could help my fear of flying." He says, "I have to go for an audition on Monday in London, and I'm freaking out because I, I, I just I cannot go on a plane without without." She said, "The last time I went on a plane, they changed my seat, put me all the way in the back because I was freaking out people." <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty bad, you know. So I, I, we're in the middle of we're in the middle of you know two hundred people at this thing. I said, "Come over here." We went into this place. We sat down on the couch. And I did the tapping with her, and I says, "I don't know if this will work or not, but uh, let's give it a try." So anyway, she texted me a few days later. She says, "Regan, that I cannot believe what just happened." She says. He says, I got on the plane and I got all the way to London and back. I had a few little, I had a few little gyps like this, but sure. I just tapped. I just showed tap or he showed me a tap or something. It says it was just fine. Um, and another client of mine who was going for a job interview, she was afraid of flying up to Portland from, uh, from LA. She had to go to LA to Portland. Sure. And she says, she says, you know, I always get two or three drinks before I get on a plane because I just start shaking and I, and people look at me weird and everything. So I did the tap and, and I was out, actually was house sitting for her. So, and I was going through hypnotherapy college, but I says, Hey, just sit on your bed right here. I did the tapping with her. She gets up to Portland or something and she called on the phone, like screaming almost. She goes, I can't believe this. Oh my God. I got on the plane. He says, I was cool as a cucumber going up there. The lady next to me started having a panic attack and I tapped on her and she got as cool as a cucumber. <laughs> and awesome. I went, Oh my gosh, I did see how powerful that is. But Usually with fears and phobias, this this EFT, it just, it's magic. I mean, it's almost a panacea. And then uh, all of us there, all of us that do EFT and thousands of us now, we have like a 90 something percent rate with helping people to reduce their anxieties that are due from fears and phobias or post-traumatic stress, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So pretty crazy. (laughs) Now, but we see your work. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hundred percent believe in this. Now, have you ever, my day job is I work with adults with disabilities. Um, oh, so autism, cerebral palsy, stuff like that. Have you ever used this, any of these techniques on people with special needs? I tell you the one that you could, you know, this would be something you could do. You, you, you might have to ask if it's okay, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you don't have to touch them. You can show them what to do themselves. So you, in other words, you wouldn't have to, you know, put hands on or anything. Sure. Um, but you can show them if they go to haveningtouch.org, Havening mm-hmm. Touch, and there's some videos on there. Oh my gosh. Like if we were on Zoom right now or something, I'd show you in five minutes. And you actually, when you just, when you do it, you, you can't help but feel 
there's a shift in energy in your body. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. And I'll try to describe it the best I can. And people can go to that site. I want you to go to it later. But Absolutely. it's like you're, if you cross your you cross your arms and you put them up to the top of your shoulders, like you're, like mm -hmm. someone's hugging you, you know? Right. And what you do is you slide with your hands, uh, both hands, you just slide down your arms, down to your wrists. So you just, just start, like I'm doing it right now, and just down mm -hmm. to your wrists. And, and you just do that as you're thinking about your issue or thinking about your, you know, your energy. And actually, before you do it, you just kind of think of your body and try to see if there's any pain anywhere. Where do you feel tension? That sort of thing. And just to kind of feel what your body feels like. That's the best thing to do at first, because then you're going to really notice the change. And okay. So you just keep doing that from for, for maybe a minute or two from your uh, from the top of your shoulders all the way down to your wrist. Just just down. And you could be talking about an issue. You can say, oh, gosh, this is such a crazy day today. I'm so busy. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day, you know, sure. and then and then you switch and it's like you're giving yourself a facial. You put your your um, hands on your forehead and you kind of brush like down both sides, like you're brushing down with your palms or with your fingers and your palms. You're going down the sides of your face and then you go start under your eyes. Like you're doing a facial, you know, like someone's giving sure. you a facial. Sure. So it's the arms, and then you go, then you go from the um, the head, the head just down to your chin, and then like under your eyes, down to your chin, head down to your chin, and then you go back for for thirty or forty seconds and do the the, the giving yourself the hug thing again, going from okay. your shoulders all the way down to your wrists. And the third thing you do is just hand swipe, and that's just if you have the you have your palms of your hand together and you just swipe. You know, you go one way, then you turn around and you go the other way. Those three okay. things. Um, like just doing that now, I can physically feel there's a, there's something in my body that has more energy now and feels like a more of a positive vibe in my body just from doing that for just, gosh, like my head, my forehead right now is tingling right mm -hmm. now just from doing that. And um, the videos on there, you'll see there's a woman, uh, there's a woman there that's, um, uh, they're teaching havening at this at this one place where they're teaching it and he asked for a volunteer to come up and the woman comes up and she says to the therapist she says look I volunteered because I'm desperate she says I've been to every kind of therapy there is uh -huh. she lost a child and uh -huh. this, the child uh -huh. she has she has not been able to get over and you can see it in her face that she's sure. desperate she says, I know this isn't going to work, but I'm going to, I would try anything because nothing has worked with me with right. all the different therapies I've been to. And then watch what happens. It's like, it'll, it'll make your day and you see what happens to her, uh, with just doing this havening for a few minutes. Um, well, so I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah. Sure. And it's good. And you, you'll want to teach it to people in your family to, it's just something to do. Like what I have my clients do in the regular therapy practice, um, I like to do sessions. Sometimes we get the whole family together if it's on Zoom or, or if I'm seeing them in person, bring them all in and let's teach the whole family, uh, mm -hmm. mom and dad and the kids and everybody, because um, we all have, we have stressful lives. Look at what's going on in the world right now. I mean, mm -hmm. my gosh, it just seems to be coming apart at the seams and it's yeah. causing so much anxiousness, so much depression amongst people and everything. Uh, this learning how to tap with EFT and learning how to do the havening touch um, what it does is it just regulates, it'll, it'll, in other words, if you're at a, when, when people want to know how serious an issue they have is all they have to do is to close their, close their eyes 
ask their subconscious to show them. And you'll talk to your subconscious, say, okay, I want to see, I want to see a meter that starts on the left at zero and it has a little needle and it's going to go all, all the way to my right side is 10. Mm-hmm. And then, then what you do is you, you begin to think of your issue. And then you think the second thing you do besides thinking of your issue is where do you feel that tension in your body? Because people, people uh, put uh, the tension and the pain in their body from their emotional stuff in different parts of their body. Right. So that way, when you tap in a minute, you can check in with yourself and you can you can go back to that place and say, oh, wow, that's a lot better, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So you you what you do is you you think of your issue. You try to get emotionally in tune with it and it gets a little emotional for a minute, but you're just being honest with yourself and you watch that needle. and It'll go from zero to ten. A 10 means they want to jump off a bridge. They're, 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 they're out of control. You know, like a, right, a, the right. women that I have that have been assaulted or something. This sure. is what's so weird is that I've had people where they were like raped or something or, or beaten like 20, 30, 40 years ago. When they close their eyes and think about it, it feels to them like it just happened. It's so oh, weird. Yeah. I mean, that's feelings come back. And that's because they got stuck energy in their body. And what these things do is they go around your body, find out where that's, it's like shrapnel stuck in different organs of their body. And when we do this energy psychology, what it seems to do is very gently, it goes back to where it finds all that shrapnel and it pulls it out. And Hmm. and then that part begins to heal. And it takes that energy that was shrapnel in there and it kind of takes it and puts it back where it's supposed to be Mm all together. And I just watch as people, it's just like they're, like their their um, pain, like a giant balloon, it just deflates. And I That's just watched awesome. it right in front of my eyes. A good example I had was of tapping. Oh my gosh, this is such a good example. Um, a man came to me for a life between life session. He was uh, an ex-gang member. He was about 48 years old. He'd been in prison a lot of times and out, but mm-hmm. now he was grown up finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he began to wonder, why he was still alive uh he had had um six different gun battles he was in when he was in 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 gangs early on in his when he was younger Uh six six bullet holes in him and he didn't die you know he could have been killed in any one of those gang fights sure um his his car got stuck on a railroad track and the, the train came hit his car totally demolished it he walked out with a couple scratches um then uh he has um uh, 11 children with eight different women. So you can imagine how complicated that life is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, um, in prison, he just kind of grew up a bit, you know? Um, so he's out, he, he happens to run into Michael Newton's book, the journey of souls, which is interesting because you just picture this guy is, is he <laughs> came here on his motorcycle he's yeah. just sitting there in his gang stuff or something. He's reading journey of souls. You know, that's a beautiful kind of picture. So he wanted to, he says, I must have a reason I'm not dead. You know, what is my purpose in life? You know, well, um, uh, he went so in hypnosis, he was too good of a subject. He went right from being conscious. He went unconscious in less than like five minutes and Mm -hmm. so much so that I could, I couldn't wake him up. I mean, (laughs) I, I shook his hand. I yelled real loud. 
I finally gave up and I just let him sleep for two and a half hours on my couch. <laughs> you know, well, hey, we all was, need that too. So, <laughs> well, it was we we it found out it was from meth, you know, because he was still doing oh. meth, and you know, because meth is like you know keeps you up for days, and yeah. then when you crash, your body just crashes, yeah. you know, like that. Wonderful man, though. I mean, he he had grown up in that. I mean, you know, he's still got the drug habit a bit, but he's working on that. So anyway, the reason I'm trying to get to this, how powerful this tapping is, is I said, I says, well, I feel bad, you know, um, so don't worry about just being here for two and a half hours. I don't mind the time there, but I want to help you in some way. So let's just do a regular therapy session for you mm -hmm. here, because one of the things he confided in me that he wanted to find out on the other side, besides how is he still alive, is that about uh, six, eight months before he came to me, he was sleeping and his son came in and shot him in the head, shot him in the ear to try to kill oh him. God. Yeah. And went through his ear, came out his jaw. So it didn't go up into his brain. You know, wow. he's lucky that the bullet missed there, yeah. but he didn't file charges against his son. And then, uh, because he didn't, he loved his son. He knew his son was making the same stupid mistakes he did oh, when he was young. Man. And then the son does a uh, drug overdose and dies, you know, a couple oh. of weeks later. So can you imagine, you know, you love your son, oh. you're trying to teach him. This happens, yeah. your son tries to kill you, you know. So I had him, I said, well, let's do some, we're going to do, I'm going to teach you this. I said, well, I'm going to teach you how to tap to, let's get rid of some of these, this issue you have here. And even though you didn't go to heaven and back here, let's do some physical healing here for you in the now. Mm -hmm. And so he says, okay, so <clears throat> I did the tapping and, you know, he's talking as I'm, as he's doing the tapping, you know, even though my son shot me in the head and tried to kill me. I still love and accept myself. I love and accept myself, even though my son died two weeks later. You know, we did the tapping for about yeah. 20 minutes. Before we started the tapping, I had him close his eyes, think of the incident of his son shooting him in the head and have him tell me on a scale of one to 10, where was he? And mm -hmm. he goes, man, I, I'm a 23, 23, man. Oh, wow. that's bad. That's that way is. bad, you know? So yeah. after 20 minutes of tapping, I had him close his eyes. I said, now, Okay, think of the same thing you were thinking of before. Watch that needle go from 1 to 24. And where does it go? And he just, he just for the longest time, he's just searching around. And he goes, 4. He says, shh, you know, custle. Oh, sure. I'm at a, a, a 4. I said, good. I said, see, see how this works? He goes, oh, my God. So we came back a second session. We got it to 0. In the third session, three months later, he was still at a 0. And he says, amazing. he says, Regan, I just, this is a miracle. He says, I don't know how, what you did. I said, what me? It's this EFT. It's just what it does for people. Mm -hmm. He says, but I know my son shot me. I know that I miss him like crazy and I still feel sad for him, but I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not going crazy over it. Sure. You know? So, and, and that's just an extreme example, but I, I have that happen time and time and time and time again. And sometimes it's not always that quick with one session that you can go from a 23 to a four in 20 minutes. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, but um, we, you know, usually if it's very severe with most people, it's two, three, four sessions, but in one session, they have enough relief of that, that they can tell that it's working. Right. And they can right. go, wow, I feel so much better now. Um, but <clears throat> when you're doing the tapping, see when, when, um, when people have trauma, something that happens to them, there's multiple layers of issues that it creates. It's not right. like for women that's raped or beaten. It's not just the, the punches and the pain that she's feeling. Um, and so when you do the tapping, it's like, it's like an onion and you have to search each layer and tap on that layer individually. And then you bring that from a 10 
you know, down to boom, boom, to hopefully to a zero or down to where they can handle it, you know. Sure. Um, so um, that's where the skill comes in and being an EFT person is, is trying to root out all the different layers. Like if a person's, um, like I had a, a woman that was, um, she was dressed provocatively. She was, you know, hoping to pick up somebody in a club and she went out in the back to smoke and somebody, you know, beat her horribly and wow. raped her. Yeah. And so, um, and then the police came, okay? So already you've got a bunch of layers, you know, there's the layer of the of the the rape itself. Sure. Um, there's the layer of her feeling guilty, like, oh gosh, look how I was dressed. Okay. Right. Uh, then there's the police telling her it's the way she was dressed and it's her fault. Ugh. Now, how bad is that? That's horrible. Yeah. You know. And then there's the having to be in the newspaper. You know, and the the uh, how she felt with everybody finding out about her parents finding out and all this, having to go to court then and all coming out and having the other side make it look like it's all her fault and so they're just right that's abuse that is so much abuse to people that have been well, it's like going through it again <laughs> it is it's and it goes on for months because they do all these depositions they right. do postponements and everything i have a client that or like that right now that uh you uh i mean we could do a whole show on you know i'm just 40 48 times being brutalized in her life oh. you know from age 12 on you know kidnapped and taken to the you know, to the desert for two weeks and manhandled and, and then escaping. And then, you know, 15 running away from home and a guy, uh, kept a prisoner in a, behind his bar in a trailer and rented her out. And, oh my gosh. And then became a playboy centerfold of all things, you know, wow. and then being stalked and, and beaten and left for dead. And, and, oh my gosh, it goes on. You know, how can I, then we talk about this life after life thing. How could anybody have a life that's just from from birth to whenever she's in her late 40s now and i'm able to talk about her if she doesn't even mind if i tell her whole story because she's she's it's all the papers and all that stuff where mark garagos is her lawyer now and they're suing the whole city of bakersfield because a a, a police officer uh controlled her for years and sexually molested her even in front of her disabled children a wow. child that she had you know and stuff and finally came out and Anyway, and they're trying to make her look like she's the bad person. And they tried to make me look, I'm like the bad therapist because, you know, the only place she was comfortable doing therapy was in my van because mm -hmm. she's too hypervigilant. She's looking over her shoulder for in a park or something, you know, yeah. and she doesn't feel comfortable being home. So she would drive a hundred miles to see me. And um, the only place, she was way above my pay grade. I mean, I mean, when I found out, but I somehow, yeah. somehow we were meant to be, I mean, it's, I'm the only one she feels comfortable with doing therapy and, Long story, but phew, I mean that's a, that's a whole whole thing there. But um, tapping has helped her a lot. Um, sure. you know, had another client that was molested by her father uh, for seven years, one of the richest families in America, um, and you know he's still alive. And she, phew, you know, and there was layers. So in the tapping, you just uncover these different layers. You know, mm -hmm. like in in her case, and the one where the family there it was like. I know my mom knew about this and she wasn't doing anything about it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the mom who's supposed to protect her. And then there was the, the layer of, you know, your father's supposed to be your, your main protector in your life. And here he was, he was abusing you, you know, yeah. uh, and then, you know, it's the, the ruining of the family, the, oh my gosh, all just, there's so many layers. So as you tap on those, they start usually in those severe ones, everybody's at a 10. 
and you get them down to eight and seven. And then if you're not getting any lower than that, then you search for more layers. Hmm. Oh, the shame, the guilt, you know, the different things. And you just tap on those until you, you know, and then, and then you find a person kind of getting free of all that with on on my website and on the visit the afterlife.com. When you're watching it, those, those, um, four men that have severe post-traumatic stress from the war, Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see as they the different layers as they're tapping on those and and I just I, I've watched that video on there it's called EFT for war veterans mm-hmm. and um, I've probably watched it 300 times and I'm moved by it every time and just watching the magic that happens when people do tapping you know do the EFT well now you mentioned that you have done a lot of handwriting analysis and yeah we had emailed back and forth and I kind of decided not to send you my handwriting sample because oh. I'm a little scared. <laughs> so basically, I just have a couple quick questions on it. We don't yeah. have a whole lot of time to get into it, but what does it mean if your handwriting switches from cursive to print and back? Uh, that means you're a highly efficient person. It oh, means good. your subconscious has found shortcuts because um, they found out when you print right, it, you can you can print faster. I mean, you can do faster than cursive or faster than just printing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like like you found the best of both worlds. Like some letters, you know, you can do faster when you print, and some that that's the way my handwriting is too. And um, it just means yeah, the subconscious is always looking for shortcuts, you know, okay. or ways to be. It shows. It, what it does is like if I was um, if I was writing a report to someone who wanted to hire you, I would say this is just the handwriting of a of a, an efficient person. He's found you know, and the handwriting shows he finds ways of being efficient, sure. you know, which is a plus. Oh. And and handwriting, see, this is another thing. People go, oh, that's just pseudoscience or something. And some people, some ther- some scientists still think it's pseudoscience, but mostly they don't anymore because for hundreds of years it's been studied now and it's been so. When I uh, accurate when I would do people's handwriting and talk to them about themselves, and they would go, "God, that's a hundred percent me." I mean, <laughs> um, in in Europe now for for thirty forty years, uh, you can't really go to work for a sizable company unless you can do a handwriting sample. You mm-hmm. know, they've used it for years. I mean, police have used it for forever and ever to try to identify you know letters that they get from predators when when they're taunting the police. You know. Um, yeah. And um, what I was um, really efficient in was the 20, say 15 to 20 characteristics that are that an employer would want to know about if they wanted to hire you. Okay, mm-hmm. like I'm not an expert. Like if someone forged uh, a signature or something, I I never got into it. You know, like sure. that. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, just a, in a in a quick one or two minute thing or a few things that happen, um, you can tell a person's self confidence by the way they cross their T's. Like, mm. uh, do you have a pen there handy? I do. Okay. I actually have my handwriting sample here. You do? Oh, gosh. Okay. So. Okay. Well, um, the sentence I have people write that shows me all the letters I need to see is, you know, my handwriting will reveal or tell me, just my handwriting will tell me 420 things and they write out 420, not numbers, but in letters, right. 420 things about my personality and my sexuality. Sexuality okay. meaning the your the way you behave in the world, okay? Okay. Um, and that that has enough of the letters and stuff that I could get all these things from there. Sure. Um, first thing you do is you you look at your writing, 
and you want to notice if the writing now you got to do this in cursive or right. cr print cursive whatever you know but not not all print printing comes from the left side of the brain uh, cursive comes from the right side of the brain gotcha and so it's two two different places so you can still tell a lot about somebody from the way they print stuff but but not half as much as you can as if they do it in cursive okay sure um, so first thing you look at is if the um, if the writing is um, straight up and down or does it lean a little to the does it lean to the right is mm -hmm. it straight up and down or does it lean to the left mm -hmm. each one of those means as you're looking at yours where do you see uh, mine well I'm right-handed and if you're looking at the paper my letters tend to kind of sway to the right a little bit okay that's not the, a lot but a little that's bit. the perfect place if if you if your handwriting slants just slightly to the right uh, that means you you you're empathetic okay uh, mm. if it goes way to the right you're sympathetic and that could cause uh, that means you just you take on people's problems rather right. than just being empathetic ones so empathetic in other words if you're being hired from somebody empathetic is better than sympathetic you know because uh, you're just healthier you know right, mentally right. that way okay the next thing you want to do is look in your T's that you crossed um, now my T's at, all come from the end of the word so I finish the word and then swipe back to cross the T okay now if you crossed the uh, this is for self-esteem and confidence okay okay if you people that have good self-esteem and confidence they cross they have an upward slant to it's either kind of straight across or slanted upwards mostly slanted upwards from mm -hmm. left to right um, and you and where you do it on the stem tells too like if you if you cross it at least halfway uh, on the stem and up that's a sign of good confidence self-esteem if if you're crossing the T's and they go down a little bit uh, this may indicate um, a little you know not so confident Mm -hmm. um and you know you might have some issues with self you know sure. self-love or something that way sure um does then, it change like like say i have a great day and just everything was fantastic and i solved a problem and then i write this out is it going to look different than if i just had a bad day i made a mistake i screwed yeah. something up okay it, 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 it basically is going to stay the same you know, like you're not going to change your whole personality in one day, but it can you can have slight changes that way. Mm -hmm. um, but what graphologists do um, for because some, some people use graphology in therapy and they look at people's handwriting. And what's weird is that, OK, you're writing on the paper that shows your personality. If you change your writing, you can change your personality. It can go backwards oh. or forwards. So for people like the, the, the example I give to some of my clients when they cross their T's and they're slanted downwards or they're way down low on the stem, I would say, hey, you know, you're sitting at Taco Bell waiting for your order and you got a napkin and paper. I said, make a bunch of stems, you know, just make, make 20 stems. And then as you cross them, cross them above the middle, slanted upwards and say inwardly to yourself, like, oh, I feel so confident. I love myself. This is so great. This is so great. I love myself. I'm so good. You know, and as you cross mm -hmm. those T's and you put that energy in it and um, uh, in, in what graphologists say is that what it does is it, it helps to reprogram your subconscious. So it's just a little, there's so many of these, isn't this crazy? You know, all these things that there are to where we can improve ourselves. you know, yeah. that these little gifts. 
Does it work if I say I am not going to eat all six tacos I ordered? I am not going to eat all six tacos I ordered. <laughs> well, it might. I don't know. It would be six I'll tacos. I'll try it. I'm lucky nowadays. I'm 73, so I mean, if I can eat two tacos, uh, <laughs> I'm 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 good. You know, uh, that way. So next thing is look at your eyes mm-hmm. and see. Uh, first of all, see if you dotted all of them. I did. Okay. Uh, that means you pay close attention to small details. Now, uh, here's an example um, where a person didn't get hired for a job. Uh, okay. They had three people that they really loved their personalities and they couldn't decide between the three because mm-hmm. they said, you know, each one of these guys is going to just be to our aud- It was for an aud- auditing, you know, auditor. Sure. Uh, so we deal with numbers all day long. They said, we just having such a hard time. Can you look at their handwriting and can you tell me anything there? We could whittle it out. Well, when I looked at one of them, he didn't cross his, he didn't dot his eyes, you know. Oh, well, that's and not a good sign. So, so, so guess who they took off the list right off the bat, you know, because, you yeah. know, one little dot in accounting could be a million dollars mistake because right. that means what that would mean is this person doesn't pay good attention to small details. Okay. Because in the subconscious, the subconscious is going well, everybody knows the doc goes there. Why do I even need to put it there? It's just, uh, you know, why do that? You know, it's a yeah. subconscious thing, you know. Uh, now, if your dots are, again, if your dots are right over the top of the eye, it's one thing. If they're to the right or to the left, it could mean another thing. Because some people, when they write, their dots are almost over the next letter, you know. Mine um, are just a little bit left. In, in a little bit left. Just a okay. little bit left of the eyes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that means you're, you're, uh, if you're a little bit left to the eye, would mean you're a little bit more meticulous. Um, to the, when they're to the right, it just means it's a person that's in a hurry to get things done. You know, because gotcha. like you're writing and he's writing so fast and the person knows the doc goes over the top of the eye, but they're in a hurry to get things done. So what the heck, the doc goes wherever it goes on the page, you know. Sure. That's, so depending on what kind of job they're going for, I mean, that could be the sign of a person who's really gets things done you know wants to get things sure. done doesn't want to doesn't want to you know doesn't want to loaf around you know the other the next thing you could look for is um when you if you i have we have people write this on a unlined piece of paper like a piece of typing paper because uh-huh. there's no lines on it because we want to see if the writing if it goes straight across or does the writing slant upwards or does that when you write the sentence does it go downwards or does it look like a roller coaster you know, where yeah. some of the words are up and it goes down, it goes up and down like this. So if you're looking at yours from left to right, the sentence that you wrote, um, does it look like it? Does it go straight across? Does it go up? Does it look like a roller coaster? What does well, it look like? I, I wrote out two. The first one goes straight across and then the second one goes just a little bit up to the right. Okay. Um, um, if you're be- being hired from someone, a little plus is when it goes up because that that shows you're more of an optimistic person. Mm. Okay, in other words, you're a glass half full instead of a glass half empty person. Uh, that's there's other indicators, but that's one of them. You know, now anytime, just picture this. You can just picture anybody's when when somebody's um, somebody's giving an autograph, and you've mm-hmm. seen zeros zillions of autographs. What do you always see in your mind? If it, does, it, does it do they go way up or do they go straight across or do they go down mm. when you see you know famous people you see autographs on baseballs autographs on things you're always going to see when people are writing autographs 
they have a, a pretty severe slant upwards because that's mm -hmm. like, you know, they're feeling important at that time. Right. You're right. feeling big. They're important. Someone wants their autograph. They're feeling good about themselves, you know, and, and it's usually quick writing, you know, right. and it goes up and that just shows. Um, so when they're looking at your handwriting, if you have at least a slight slant upwards, they would put on the on the report. This person's more optimistic than pessimistic. That doesn't mean you're not going to be pessimistic sometimes, but it just means sure. your your natural tendency is to be more of a positive kind of person that way. Well, um, that makes sense. What does it yeah. mean when Ryan smashes the keys on the keyboard when he's typing? <laughs> well, that could be like when someone, if somebody's, uh, if you're looking at the pen, if they, if they, some people use more pressure and some mm -hmm. people use light pressure. People that use more pressure, like you can see when they do write it, that the ink is really thick on the page because they, they really did that. Um, um, I'm trying to think of the, the, what that means is they're more, they're more um, dominant, more, more, oh. I want you to, you better listen to what I say. You know, hmm. I, I'm, what I'm saying is important. You know, I'm putting yeah. this down here. You know, it's like, like, like you would, uh, they would be more of a person that when they would walk into a room, you could kind of feel their energy pushing you a little bit, not in a bad way necessarily. Maybe somebody really confident or somebody, you know, like a general walks in the room, you know, how they got their shoulders back. That would be that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Look at, look at Trump's uh, signature. Now his, uh, I don't know if I even Oh my gosh. To. His is as thick. He's just saying, you know, don't mess with me. You know, I'm, <laughs> uh, he's just, it's really thick and dark and, and his is all pointy. Um, mm -hmm. Now, um, if you were looking at somebody here, here's the thing that's interesting. Santa Barbara has a handwriting analysis class and the teacher there, what she does when people would come in, she would give them their final on the very first day. And mm -hmm. most of them would pass it even before going through the class because she would ask the right questions. She would say, okay, here's three samples of writing. Which mm -hmm. one of these would make the best babysitter? Okay. And then mm -hmm. she would show some uh, printing, like somebody writes out a check, you know, and they have the way they'd have their numbers on there. And they would, she would say, which person of this would probably be most honest? Okay. Um, because you're going to find out that most honest people, you'll be able to read every, you know, 699 someone who's a little used to being a little squirrely or something it's kind of <laughs> blah, 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 you know where you can't sure. got to go what is this 627 is this 613 or what you know because they're they, they're they're vague you know but people that yeah. really are honest in that more times than not will have things that you can read and again too people that have sloppy writing that's doesn't miss that's that's not a disqualification at all for work that just means they're so confident in themselves they don't care if someone can read the writing if they can find it not, <laughs> okay you know they're just like confident that way you know that's why Perfect. some people's signatures you can't even read them and stuff and it's just a sign of you know self-confidence like you know i'm fine i don't care if you understand me it doesn't bother me you know kind well, of well that makes sense i have one last question before mm -hmm. we wrap this up tell us what happened with the mexican cartel go on for an hour with that i was lucky that i was on the outskirts of that but i watched my friend who got me down to mexico in the first place um, um 
I, I just stay out of trouble. You know, I'm a, sure. I'm an Enneagram nine. We could talk about the Enneagram another time, which is a great way to find out which, which one of nine softwares has God put into you. You know, huh. um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, Enneagram. If you look it up, it's E N N E A G R A M. It's used all of us psychologists or not all of us, but so many of us use that to have our person take that test before we see them. Cause when we know what number, what number they are, we'll know so much about their personality. It's crazy, you know, uh -huh. but anyway, that's another thing that tells a lot about you is taking that Enneagram test. People can go to eclectic energies and get a free test. It's on Google eclectic energies. I think it's.com or it might be dot net. I, mm -hmm. But if they type in eclectic energies, it's a free test. You take both tests and one will tell you what number you are and the other will tell your wing. Anyway, um, and your question was, so, oh, the cartels. The cartels. <clears throat> yeah. My, my best friend, I think it's karmic because I've known him for 30 years and and uh, he's a character. He's a, oh my gosh, there, it, it, you, he could have a 10-year uh, eight episodes a year thing and it would just scratch the surface of the crazy stuff that happens in his life. Um, he's so friendly and he's just so smart and everything. And everywhere he goes, he just gets to know everybody. I mean, sure. he just, but that gets him into trouble a lot of times because he'll befriend the worst people sometimes. <laughs> so I'm in Mexico. He got me down there and I was, uh, uh, there was uh, someone uh, had severe PTSD from the Navy and from childhood. And um, I was at mm -hmm. a party, he introduced me to him and he says, Hey, Regan, maybe he'll trade, let you live in his beach house for therapy. And I thought, Hey, I'm single. And, whatever. And I like go to Mexico and be fun. I thought yeah. I'd be there a couple of weeks and I was there for almost two years. <laughs> wow. And in that time, my client only wanted two 15 minute sessions and then just quit. He did. And, if, you know, long story short, he didn't want to get better because he'd lose. He says, he says, Regan, I can't get better because if I'm sane, because they say I'm totally crazy. If I'm sane, I'll lose my 3,500 bucks a month from the from the government you know yeah so that's you know his choice you know sure so finally i left but while i was there um whew, i didn't know where to begin um there's so much to it but tony he's my friend he wouldn't even mind me saying his name and stuff because he's just he's that kind of guy sure he's got so many stories but i and, it, and they sound untrue but i was there with a lot of them so i know they're true mm -hmm. and um he and his wife um they <clears throat> Uh, the person that he referred me to, who I was doing therapy for, had a housekeeper uh, named Beto. And Beto uh, had just uh, a year or two before, he, he'd been in prison for 22 years in America. And then he got d deported when he got out of prison. Mm -hmm. And he had to wait for 10 years to go back where his wife and kids were in, in America. So he was down there. So he spoke good English and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's a story in itself, too, because I kind of did a little therapy for him and how he killed like 11 people. And mm -hmm. I mean, it was an interesting story. Anyway, he'd grown up now. He's there. Well, because he spoke good English, uh, Tony, my friend, hired him to be an interpreter to sell um, some, you know, those jumper houses that, you know, bounce houses and things that kids oh, yeah. jump in and stuff. Well, Tony ma manufactured those at one point. And uh, but then because of crazy stuff he stopped doing it but he had a contact in china so this guy was going to open up a store in a mall and just have all these inflatables inside you know for like a kid's sure. thing or something mm -hmm. so um tony came up with ten thousand to have a little, the guy was going to give him twenty thousand so tony would make ten thousand bucks so we got all these he got him got him from china got him on a truck takes him to this guy at the mall he's sitting there uh they unloaded it everything and then he He's saying, you know, okay, time for my payment. 
and the guy behind the desk uh, pulls a 357 on him and says, get out of here. You know, wow. You can't go to the police. They aren't going to be, you're a gringo. Boom, boom. Bye bye. So what's he going to do? You know, I mean, it scared him half to death and his interpreter, their Beto's there with him. And so they, nothing they could do. They got screwed. You know, they got, they, the guy took him, stole the stuff. So Mm. Tony lost the 10,000 he put in. Plus he didn't get 10,000. So he didn't have money to pay Beto. But he didn't mm-hmm. know that Beto, his interpreter, was a low-level guy in one of the cartels. Mm-hmm. So um, Beto is pissed as heck because he can't get paid. And he's just blaming right. Tony. He goes, Tony. He's thinking Tony's got a lot of money, and which Tony didn't. Tony says, I can't pay you. you know. So Beto told the, the cartel guys. And the cartel guy says, invite him over for a party. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, thinking Beto's his friend, Tony invites him. He gets invited to his party. They go into this compound like the door's shut. And uh-huh. they keep him hostage for two weeks, telling him every day they're going to, and his girlfriend's with him. So uh-huh. this has made it really bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. PTSD from it. He still got to this day. So you imagine that every day you both wake up and here's your, with your, your lover, your, yeah. your girlfriend. And they, you think this is, they're going to kill you, you know? Mm-hmm. So Tony being Tony befriended him over the two weeks there you know i mean there was some things that he did which was outlandish that everybody laughed at him and stuff and they befriended him they couldn't kill him you know so two mm-hmm. weeks later they opened the gates and said go see you later okay um but um th- that was just horrible because they they know you know they know what yeah. these cartels do yeah um the 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 karmic thing about that is is that um about six months later three of the main guys that were the guys in the house with them got their heads cut off by a rival cartel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the end of them, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I mean, there's some, there's one story and I can't hundred percent confirm this, but I, one of my clients, he was that one I told you from one of the richest families in America that was abused by her father. Yeah. She was kidnapped by the cartel. And she was feeding these children that they were harvesting for organs. Oh. And um, she was able to escape. Uh, uh, Tony helped her escape. Uh, and um, she says, I know people won't believe me or something, but they were having me babysit these kids. And I know what they were doing, you know, selling their organs, you know. So Absolutely ruthless. Oh, I mean, it's horrible. I mean, just talk about that it gets me all emotional and stuff. So there's some crazy stuff going on down there. And um uh, <laughs> it's funny. And Tony befriend. There's a, now there's, there's some good in this, this crazy stuff. There's a woman, um, I'll change her name cause I don't want any trouble from her, but, uh, <laughs> um, I'll call her, what do I call her? I'll just call her Mary. I didn't mean it's a Spanish name, Maria, but that's not her name. Uh, she okay. was, she had a, a cartel herself, but so many of her people got killed and, you know, she had some people's heads cut off. So from, from, I hear from Tony and stuff, she was a really ruthless. Well, when so many of her people died, she just had to get out of the business because it was just, she didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up going to her spiritual self and she just uh, became a priestess in Santeria. So she's got a church uh, down there right in Tijuana, um, you know, a little room where people come in and you have to, you have to be blessed when you come in, take off your shoes and, and uh, they smudge you and everything to make sure you don't have any bad energies. And she goes mm-hmm. around to, to cemeteries and prays for the souls of people there and she's you know she's um starting she's this religious side of herself now so what a <laughs> what a change that is going from cutting people's heads off to becoming a priestess in santeria you know which is the, one of the fastest growing religions in the world 
you know, it's yeah. kind of a mixture of Christian Christianity and voodoo, you know, a bit. Yeah, we'll probably do a show on Santeria at one point. Yeah, Santeria, it's good just to find out what it's all about, you know. Um, so um, we went to karaoke uh, one night and uh, she wanted me to dance and wanted me to go on a date with her. But when I knew her history, I just I said, well, <laughs> I got to be in America tomorrow. I can't, you know, I just I want to stay as far away as I can away from that. Probably you know, a safe so, bet. Yeah, probably was a good thing, you know. So, um, and then Captain Ventura, the first, uh, my, <laughs> Tony's so crazy. It's like my first day in Mexico. He says, well, we're going to give you a tour, you know. So we're driving around his car. He's drinking a beer. And uh, and uh, all of a sudden we get pulled over by the cops. And Tony reaches behind, hands me the beer and says, put it down, put it down, you know. Yeah. So they come over and they open the door. Maybe just get out. They see the beer and they escort us to to the to jail to the police headquarters mm -hmm. and um just as we're standing out in front and they're starting to like take us in to book us uh jeremy who was another friend of tony's who was living down there came mm -hmm. by and he was friends with captain ventura who was the captain of the whole police precinct there and he, captain ventura was just walking out it was mm -hmm. perfect timing and jeremy saw him he goes up start talking to him and he says tony regan what are you guys doing here you know and they said well, we're about ready to book him for having an open container in the car and uh, and Jeremy says, come on, do me a favor, Captain. Just, you know, just let him go. And Cap says, OK, I just let him go. Whew, yeah. And that was my first two hours in Mexico. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy, you know. And uh, and so um, about six months later, I'm there and I'm, I'm, I'm living there by myself now. Tony's doing off doing something and I'm in the town. I walk by the police precinct and I go, hey, Captain Ventura here. And the person told me in English says, no, he's dead, you know. And what had happened was... Um, Captain Ventura had a beef with one of the cartel's kids and put him in jail for the night or something. So at a soccer match, when he came out, the cartel killed him and his wife and Captain Ventura's wife and just murdered him right there at the at the arena. So he was dead and gone, you know. So anyway, that's the tip of the iceberg. I'm going to be another <laughs> show talking all that stuff down there. And it's crazy. But I never had, I mean, um, except for what one you know pulling me over and wanting 20 bucks for something i didn't do you know that i refused yeah. to pay and i they just let me go you know but um i never had any trouble and there's 40,000 expats patriots from from tijuana down the coast all the way down to um ensenada and uh -huh. um you know language is never a problem because so many of the people that are on the border there are people that have been been kicked out of america under there and and so they're you know that's never been a problem sure. um you know get, you know talking and that and the people and i say when i'm saying that this is just these few cartel people and the mexican people i met down there were some oh, i had the best experience with the people with the kids with everybody they would they're just loving and kind generous um, oh, yeah. we love people. Mexican culture. The, the oh whole, gosh, like, yes, everything is just so fascinating and so cool. And yeah, they the I've been to Mexico probably six or seven times. I had a run in with the police where they beat me up and took my fancy jacket. But yeah. you know, I guess that's the price you pay. It but, is, yeah. All right, well, tell everyone where they can find you one more time. Oh yeah, I enjoyed this. Uh, it was great. Um, you can find me at uh, Visit the Afterlife. It's Visit the Afterlife, just like it sounds, all one word, visittheafterlife.com on there. And there's my phone numbers on there. There's the contact page if you want the free book called um, Reincarnation is Real. 
It's mm-hmm. uh, free right now. It's an ebook, and it's really fun because you'll read a little bit, and then there'll be a link that'll go to a video on YouTube, and you watch, it and you go back to it. So it's very. It's about all the current research being done on on uh, reincarnation and that. Mm-hmm. My other book's available. If you click on it, there it'll take you to Amazon. It's called Three Hours, Thirty Three Minutes in Heaven, and it's just about my my first experience in the afterlife, going there and coming back, like my my alive death experience <laughs> over there. You know, it's like, sure. It's uh. You know, and uh, so anybody wants to actually visit the afterlife, have a session where you can spend a couple hours in the afterlife, come back and learn so much about your life. There's videos on there, talk to you all about it, and, and so and also I do regular therapy. Uh, if you're anywhere in the country, we can do it on Zoom now, where I can teach you this energy psychology, mm-hmm. like we were talking about with EFT and the Havening Touch and EMDR, that'll help you uh, to get rid of uh, a lot of your baggage that you're carrying, and. Um, the good news I would say, Jeremy, in closing, is this: that there's so much help out there now for people that that can make our lives actually turn from crazy to crazy good. I would say because <laughs> you're always still going to have problems, but you know when you can deal with them easier, and when you know why you're going through those things, um, either going to the afterlife and getting your answers, or having regular therapy with these new modalities that work like crazy, that work good. Um, so much you can do to get rid of the get rid of the burdens that you're carrying now and learn to love yourself. And in closing too, what they say on the other side is that we really need to get with the self-love thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's time to quit, to quit being down on ourselves, to hate ourselves for some of the bad choices we made because everybody makes them. And it's mm-hmm. about you just picking yourself up, loving yourself, even though you made those stupid mistakes, just like you would if it was your child that, that did something bad, you yeah. know, and they over it, you still would love that child and, and know right. that there's good in them still. They're not, you know, we all make bad choices. So mm-hmm. they want you to just get in there, love yourself and love your neighbor and be kind. And um, um, they gave me a prayer uh, for people to say, and it was, as you wake up, you say, bless this day and those that I serve. As I keep one foot in heaven, acknowledging that your soul, or your higher soul, as I keep one foot in heaven, and then one foot planted firmly on earth to accomplish my mission. And um, they say to do as many random acts of kindness as you can, even picking up other people's trash, it doesn't matter, just anything that's kind to do that. Spend more time in nature, because that's God's way of healing the soul is by spending time in nature in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, anyway, hope that helps some people. Oh, I'm sure sure it will. I'm sure it will. Thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it, especially going over. I know we kept you about another half hour. uh, (laughs) Well, put me on your rotation there. You guys are great. Awesome. uh, We we always talk about the new stuff that's coming up, you know. Um, What part of the country are you in? You're in Midwest, right? We're in St. Louis, yeah. Oh, good St. Louis, yeah, yeah. I remember going up in the arts there when I was uh, a few days after I met the person I ended up marrying. Yeah, we went up in the arts and we were coming from clown school uh, where I met her at clown school back in the University of Michigan. And uh, that's another story. (laughs) We'll get to that one next time. Yeah. All right, you guys. Ryan, tell them what they need to know. Oh, there's so much they need to know about energy healing, cryptids. But I guess we'll just settle for please support us on whatever podcasting platform you use. It really helps us out. If you like, comment, share, subscribe, all those things help us in our battle against the algorithm. We got to compete with those uh, Mexican alien mummies, right? 
that's a good way but the best way is to share us with somebody that you think will like it you can find us pretty much wherever you get your podcast you can find us on social media which i'm sure will be in the show notes and you can get a hold of us to tell us what you think you need to know at cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com well that's all we've got for you tonight on cryptique what does ryan always hate it when we say don't sleep cryptique Good evening, Crypt Keepers. <laughs>